but my wife's like, well, if it's, she's like, if I'm not seeing it on our credit card, I don't really care. <laughs> if it, if a knife falls onto your grinder and shapes out into the shape of a knife, does it, but your wife doesn't see the profits, does it really make a knife? <laughs> well, so that's, what's actually kind of nice is, um, she's not seeing the negative, the money that goes out. So she's not really asking to see the profits. So I've given her a little bit of money for it though. Like basically everything's a profit then that she sees. She's like, Oh wow, that's good. And you're like, it costs 200 to make that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when I bought the press for the, um, Kydex, she was like, how much was that? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, like $20 on eBay. Yeah. That should be your answer for everything. When my wife saw, excuse me, when my wife saw Paul's motorcycle in here, she's like, what is that? And I was like, $20 on eBay. I didn't even tell her what it was. She knew it was a motorcycle. But um, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 132. I'm hey, glad Chris, you didn't what, ask me. It's what been episode a while. is this? Yeah, it's 132. It's, it, was yeah. I even in last week? I was yeah. in half of last week. Yeah, and you were in the intro last week. Did you hear yourself? No, I haven't. So my truck's been down, so um, I haven't been listening to any podcast. Well, that's sorry. Yeah, that's terrible. I don't, I don't listen to headphones on my bike. So or walking around where I know you gotta, I know you gotta work when you're at work. Unlike some of us. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have to work real hard when I'm at work. No, I just don't like, um, at work, I don't really listen to podcasts much. Cause like I I've tried like having a headphone in and, um, I tried music and I really didn't like that. Even just like one headphone still trying to work. Um, I do get surprisingly enough. I get a little Joe Rogan though at work podcast, hmm. like the YouTube. Cause they do, they break it down into smaller clips and they're like, they talked about this and I'm like, that's a cool subject. But when it has like a guest that I've never heard of, I'm like, I don't want to listen to his three hour podcast. Yeah. Do you always think it's funny too? Like when somebody like uh Maynard from tool comes on mm. and he looks kind of nerdy and you're like, Oh, I didn't know he looked like, I didn't think half the was he on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Now I'm going to look that one up though. Yeah. He was on like the Conor McGregor when he was a gun of flight Floyd Mayweather and they were pumping him up and then he got his ass handed to him. <laughs> but, um, I but- mean, honestly, the guy went in and fought against Mayweather on Mayweather's terms. I think if it was the other way around, he would have won. Oh, yeah. I don't think maybe that would have been MMA very good. But, um, yeah, I mean, he went against Mayweather in his own sport. And here's the thing, though. Like, dude, for as much money as they made, I would have fought Mayweather. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I would have got got in and got my lights fucking turned off. Yeah, I I wouldn't have lasted (laughs) half a round. But... And I may have died because that dude, I can only imagine how hard he punches. But, um, like, I probably would have slipped. My on family would have been set for the rest of yeah. their life. <laughs> I would have slipped on the sweat and fell down and been, like, dead and been like, oh, shit, I got knocked myself out. Yeah, but I mean, how much, like, Mayweather made, like, 100 million and he made, like, 75 million or something? Yeah, that's not too shabby. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. The dude wants to keep fighting and be relevant. Like, I mean, you made seventy five million. You can just fucking quit everything. Yeah, I think there's a couple guys like him, and even George Foreman, uh, his very last fight. Uh, you know, they they don't have nothing to prove except for the fact that they're still badass at the at the age. <laughs> excuse me, Jesus, that everyone <laughs> that everyone thinks that they are washed up. You know what I'm saying? You know, though, like it's like Brad Spencer, huh? Yeah, huh? dude. 
We were someone and I were talking about him the other day about just like fucking ruling and being fast. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> my buddy's like, I think the power comes from that little afro. <laughs> But yeah, dude, that little I, uh, that little afro is I mean, definitely classy. That and his um, Andre the Giant build. <laughs> He's not so Andre the Giant build. He just wears like a chest protector and then a sweatshirt over it, and it throws everyone off. And I think like boxing's kind of similar. Like with guys like Foreman towards the end, like boxing. I'm not an MMA fan. I'm not a boxing fan. Um, I'm really not. Like, that is so weird because you're former MMA slash boxing dude. Yeah, so. right. As everyone can tell by my physique, um, <laughs> there were plenty of MMA boxers with your physique. <laughs> a little more cut though, um, but especially boxing, I feel like it's a it's more of a strategy type sport. Like, yeah, energy and strength are obviously going to do it, but. Um, you know, a lot of those old dudes were just like <clears throat> they would know what to expect from the young dudes. Like they they knew what punches were coming and could kind of get out of the way. So you see, like guys like Foreman towards the end. Like I don't know, was he washed up? He'd still kick a lot of people's ass. Oh, he did. He kicked some. I, I'm I'm fairly certain he kicked uh, the last dude's ass and then was like, "All right, I'm good. Let's just stop before <laughs> before I get beat up. Before I do get beat up, <laughs> or I kill someone." Um, yeah. So, hey, on this week's show, we're going to we're going to box uh, each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're off to a good start of shit to, that doesn't matter yeah. talk about motorcycles. Yeah. I do want to say that this week's show is brought to you by our patrons and uh, patron support via patreon.com. I don't know how many other ways I can say Patreon and patron at the same time. Uh, if you'd like to become a member, um, stick around to the end of the show and we'll tell you how. Uh, hey, I want to ask you, did you... If you stick around to the end of the show, you're... You're a member in my heart. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> you're actually, if you're a patron and you stick around to the end of the show and you give us some more money, you can actually replace my heart. I found out the other day my ticker's not so good. Um, yeah, and and patrons, uh, thank you for sending in your sound bombs. There's a couple uh, patrons that I owe stuff to, and I was last week I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get it in the mail, and then we got another subscriber, and so I've been trying to keep track of my Patreon. They just uh, set up a brand new little dashboard where I can keep track of who who got what, and it's made it easier for me to track who I have sent stuff to. There's some of you that became members right at the beginning of June. So it sucks. I'm sorry that it's been a whole month since we've interacted, but there was a couple other ones that came on. Well, one or two more that came on in June as well. And so I'm not neglecting you guys. I'm following the patron little e-letter they send me where it says, hey, ship everybody's thing at once. So I was just waiting until the 5th, which is today, and I'll ship your stuff out tomorrow, I promise. And on that note, Lance, your knife should go out tomorrow. <laughs> the one you bought back in February? <laughs> At least you know we're like... No, squirrel. he was... I, I got to give it to... Like, he's a repeat customer, too. He's like, dude, I'll pay you right now. And I'm like, no. He's like, no, it's... And at the flip side, I guess, sometimes it's easier. Because, like, I'm on the... Uh, I'm got a custom knife order from a guy. And I'm like, can I pay you some money now? And he's like, No. <laughs> And I'm like, but I have it now. <laughs> you were saying that to the guy? Yeah. And he's like, no, because when he's paid, it makes him lazy. Like he's got nothing to work for. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, I just, I, I think Lance was trying to be helpful to yeah. pay early. And I'm yeah. like, no, it wasn't a big deal. But um, I actually listened to a really raunchy podcast that I won't say the name of, but they were talking about stuff like that. 
in a terrible context that I also want to talk about. But they were saying like, once you hit that thing, you're always looking for the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Like some people just do that thing and then they're like, man, what's next? Like, you know, what do you mean? Like, um, like if that guy had got your money, then he'd be like, oh, oh man, like I already got, the, I already got paid. Like what else could I do that I'm not getting paid for? <laughs> right, right, right. And that, I mean, when you're creative, it's, you know, well, and honestly, like in so many industries, but I'll, I'll relate it to like the knife making industry. Like I keep seeing like makers that have bad raps for that. Um, so I see why some people don't. Um, and I'm trying to develop what I should do. I I'm doing, um, what I need to do, and it's, it, I hate it. I hate to do it, but I get people that back out. I need to do a deposit, a non-refundable deposit. Just be like, you're gonna pay fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and um, when it's done, you have like three weeks to pay or something. And if you don't, then I keep your deposit. And you're shit out of luck, and I sell your knife. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of motorcycle places or even like Kickstarters and stuff have that sort of thing where they have a deposit. Well, that's level like the and- Kickstarter thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, and the Kickstarter thing's like, hey, pay us now, and it's going to go into production, and you get a better deal because you kind of help fund getting it started. But yeah, I I like I hate doing it because a lot of times too I'm like okay the timeline looks like three or four weeks, and then like Lance is a good example. He paid like beginning of this week, maybe last week, and I've been busy trying to get like other orders together, and then trying to get my fucking truck fixed, which is a whole other podcast yeah. story. Yeah, and um, I just haven't made it to the post office. And then I was a genius yesterday, and it actually worked out really well. But I did like a Fourth of July sale. Like I found a box of knives that weren't sold. I like I knew where the box was but i was like there's a lot of stuff in here so i was like old stuff that i'm like i don't know what to do with this so i posted it up like independence day sale and like (laughs) i literally had one i made out of a file that i sold for 30 bucks nice and uh someone snatched it up super quick and then so i had some like other cheap ones but um i think they range from like 30 to 75 but i so so now i've got like a pile of boxes full so they definitely got to go out but (laughs) thanks for being patient thanks for supporting yeah there's we it's actually been a crazy time so thank you everybody for uh hanging in there we will get your stuff out (laughs) (laughs) um hey let's uh get into some motorcycle news real quick all right, let's take a quick break, get into some, uh, well, like a 30-second break, get yeah. into some motorcycle stuff. We're going to talk about motorcycles today? You betcha. Oh, man. I hope people listen. <laughs> no, we just spent 10 minutes not talking about them. Let's start talking about them. Okay, sounds good. We can do that. <laughs> All right. Well, first things first, Wigs. This week, do you have any Ask Wigs? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, snap. Let's hear it. I did a little research. The guy, I'd have to like actually read it again to be exact. Man, I feel like I should. Let's go on. I'm going to, I want to say the guy's name, like he was awesome and emailed me. I got to, I got to be more official. Yeah. Got to be more professional. I wasn't prepared. And I don't print them out anymore. I gave Wigs that account uh, control. Yeah, no. I'd print them out if I could. But if you have any questions that you want to ask Wigs from what motor oil is the best, (laughs) what tires are the best, you know, the two classic motorcycle questions, Mm -hmm. to uh, what's your favorite um, type of butter to use when you're seasoning uh, lobster? I don't know. Do you season (laughs) lobster? I guess you do. Yeah, with butter. And I think butter and salt, right? Rad. This is from a listener, Rob. And he said... I enjoy the podcast. 
What's your recommendation for riding gear, helmet, jacket, pants that's combat- compatible Sorry for adventure riding, uh, a day at the track, and urban riding? Yes, I, I recommend all those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no experience with adventure and track, and both seem to have requirements that need to be met. I own a BMW F650CS and a Husky WRX360. Oh, the F650CS. What's the CS? The 650 is a single. The F six fifty CS was the um. What does it say? What year it is? It doesn't. Cause that was they had like a um, a bunch of. If he means GS, then I'm gonna punch him in the face. If he would made a typo, <laughs> because the F six fifty GS is a you know they quit making it like just a couple years ago. But well, that's that like their, their little baby enduro, like KLR six fifty. Basically, isn't yeah, yeah. And they had the Sertau model, and they had like the Dakar model for a long time. And uh, for a while, those things were not even 650s. <laughs> they were uh, detuned. The last iteration was like detuned uh, like 800 or something. The 650 CS. But the CS, they had the, they had the G650 cross-country Xmoto CS and something else. Yeah, you know a friend what? of mine had, I think, an Xmoto. It was yeah. kind of rad. It was, like the, it was like BMW's version of a Supermoto. Yeah, it's like a single cylinder, because I'm pretty sure the, S, the 650s are singles on the Beamers, right? Nope. Not the, the, the G is, well, no, uh, G is uh, the moto sing, one was singles. Too, or the Supermoto. Yeah, G is singles, F is dual, dual uh, parallel twin, but in the early days, the F was also a single. They, I forget when they started calling the parallel twins F, so his might be a his is probably a single if it's a CS. It looks like a wide motor in the photo. But then it looks like it has one head pipe. Yeah, that's it, probably. I was going to say the CS hasn't been around for a while. It's probably the one, the year when they called the singles the Fs, because the F six fifty Dakar, I also believe was was a single. Okay. Um, and so back in the day, the Fs were singles, and then all of a sudden they decided the Fs was going to be parallel twins, like hmm. around twenty twelve or twenty fourteen, somewhere around there. And a Husky. 350 is probably um, yeah dude i think meg's brap has one of those if you guys want to look up meg's underscore brap on instagram dude she's awesome um and now my email closed where did that thing go what a pain in the butt we're gonna sit here through wiggins technical Uh, difficulty anyway so the question was like (laughs) what clothing would work for both i was gonna see what the husky was but if it's a 360 it's probably an enduro but um, so this was a hard one um, because I so those are like three disciplines that are are pretty kind of wide range as far as clothing goes because a real track day most of the time you need one piece or two piece zip together leathers and those are required so. And that would suck for adventure riding and wrapping around town. Yeah, yeah. So really, I don't have a good answer on what like one one outfit you could get for both. Did he say flat tracking or motocross? Because I don't think he said either. I think he said track day, like pavement. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. And, and then adventures, and then like kind of cruising around town type stuff. So what yeah. I would do for that would be two piece leathers. It's still not going to be totally ideal, but two piece leathers, and then you can always get another pair of pants. And honestly, for a lot of adventure riding, I think he's Michigan or I said MA, Massachusetts, maybe? Yeah, MA is Maine. 
Just kidding. It's Massachusetts. <laughs> um, so M- you're going to get Missouri. You're going to get rain. M-A-S-O-U-R-Y, Missouri. So you're, I mean, really for like adventure, like off-road stuff, like leathers would kind of suck. Oh, yeah, um, totally. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, honestly, this sounds bad, and I know some of the like true moto people are going to hate me. See, I wear blue jeans for a lot. I actually wear like softer dickies for a lot. So, I mean, denim is pretty decent. Your first track day, didn't you just have dickies and a t-shirt on or something like for, that? Dude, that's hooligan stuff. That's what yeah. we always used to do. I used to wear a long sleeve t-shirt. You like duct tape some knee pucks yeah, onto your... Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, So, I, I really like... I wish I had a better answer for you. And I did a little bit of research. I, I'm not totally like trying to cop out. Like I did kind of look around. I didn't see anything that was kind of covered all your bases with that said i have seen someone at a track day with basically mesh top and bottom because they have like the adventure pants are kind of a mesh mesh ish type pant a lot of them so they do have some like slide protection and pads and the it was uh if i'm not mistaken it was one of brady's days <laughs> yeah and it was someone in the slow group and it was someone I think she kind of knew the people and they knew like she wasn't going around dragging knee. Yeah. So, and if you're talking motocross track day, dude, those dudes don't wear anything. Yeah. You, you just be, you'd be fine in your climb adventure or your arrow stitch probably out out there. You'd be hot as balls. I mean, people wear like motocross pants have zero protection and not true. Not true. My friends have motocross pants that are basically like leathers with like pads in them and shit. Those are more supermoto pants if they're leather. Maybe. I've I'm never sure seen a like motocross hardcore. pant with leathers. Yeah. They're but I have like, seen supermoto pants that look like motocross but are, have a lot of leather in them. Yeah. Whatever my, my buddy uh, Carrie has like some Troy Lee and they have like leather parts to them because they have protection in them and then on the sides they have like a vented textile but the only okay take that back i have seen leather on the inside of the knees mm-hmm. where it's hot and where you pinch your frame mm-hmm. and she probably like chris is probably right she probably had shin guards on underneath because a lot of people wear like yeah strap on shin and elbow pr- yeah. and chest protectors underneath yeah. so it probably wasn't like so, in the jersey and yeah stuff, and some yeah. people just wear jerseys yeah <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of Dude, insane listen if you go back to the 1970s you'll see people in their work boots with their levi's and mm. a t-shirt or a mm-hmm. long sleeve shirt <laughs> oh for sure i mean for sure like racing you know so i will though um for your more adventure and around town stuff, I will plug a personal sponsor. Icon is pretty good, and they have, um, as far as being like one of the first brands to really kind of dig into the uh, ADV market, um, the Variant helmet, if you're into the Variant, um, if you're into the whole like Moto Street helmet, um, one, I feel like the variant's one of the coolest ones out. They were also one of the first ones, or at least they're the first ones that kind of made it mainstream. And I can vouch that you can ride a sport, a naked sport bike at 130 and it doesn't do weird stuff with the visor. Um, and the AGV one at 70 pulls your head around crazy. Um, so I will, I like, I had an AGV one, um, before I was like official icon sponsor and got free icon gear. In my defense, I also bought and paid for some icon gear. But um, 
I wasn't specific, so I kind of bought whatever. But I got an AGV like moto and like that, and uh, just rode on my Harley with it, and it would pull my head around. I took a like a um, sheet metal drill, a step drill, and drilled it all out. But um, yeah, that helmet get, works great. Like get airflow through it. Yeah. It would like sit there and like yank your head around. It was nuts. Yeah. And the Icon variant doesn't. And I rode, last time I was at Big Willow, I rode a variant all day um, on my Ducati at Big Willow. So it's. I thought you rode a, like a Vespa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have one or I would. <laughs> um, and I can attest to that that they, that thing looked pretty awesome. I didn't really see head movement and they it might actually work for you by holding you still you know what i'm saying like with all those vents and stuff they might have it down to where the air, if I, arrow if I like tilt the head down right it like yeah. puts down force on yeah. the front of the bike um yeah so i i would i do recommend that helmet as far as the adventure helmets go um it's a good like mid-range mid-price um adv style helmet so but yeah i i mean the most affordable way if you want to do a real track day is two-piece leathers and then keep your you know wear your jacket on the daily and then just zip the pants to it when you need them um but then yeah you kind of need pants but i mean i've seen dudes adv in and in blue jeans too i mean they're gonna keep a lot of stuff off and they're also gonna be hot and muggy <laughs> so yeah you don't necessarily need pants just if you want your legs to be protected from a fall or really <laughs> that's because <laughs> turdman likes to ride naked <laughs> Um, another one too, like if you're ADVing a little bit, uh, honestly, like some motocross pants, like they're, they're going to breathe better. They're going to have the leather on the inside. Um, and then again, like, oh, I say this, I'm not real sure what icon has right now, but there's also, there's other companies too that have like ADV boots that are a more protective boot than a street riding boot, but they're not full motocross boots. But I see a lot of like ADV riders that are serious ride full moto boots and I get it. Like I got weak ankles and shit. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, if that's a, if that's a good option for you, that's definitely a good option. They do suck to walk around in, but you can pick up a decent pair of moto boots for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I got a pair of fly racing, which is pretty good. Some of the stuff they make is pretty good, but, um, I have to say the boots kind of fell apart before I really even punished them that much. I mean, I had them for a long time, so maybe the materials just started to break down. But I felt like I could kick through a fucking stump with those things, and it would blow the stump apart rather than, like, (laughs) break my foot, you know? I don't remember what the last pair I had were, um, but before that I had Good Luck with Thor. Um, And it's a drag specialties house brand, too, so it's one of those, like, you know, you get kind of the best of both worlds with, with the house brands, so... And it's named after a hot Viking. <laughs> All right. So, was that a long enough answer for Ask Wigs? Yeah, that, that was a good Ask Wigs, man. You want to play? That some- was a really good question. I wish I, I, I do wish I had a better answer, but I, I feel like you're asking for a lot in the equipment. Yeah, and, and, we, I, we and I didn't always promise. Either. Don't wear gloves. Don't bother with gloves. <laughs> You're going to spend all your money on that other crap. You don't have money for gloves. Just wear- and I, just because I know their lineup better, um, I wear a short wristed full leather glove when I race uh, the hooligan bike that's Icon and I love it. And one reason I love it is because I have baby uh, Donald Trump hands and it's hard for me to find gloves that fit. <laughs> and these happen to fit me well, so I'm biased. And again, I have an Icon deal. Yeah. But... Um, 
I love giving you a high five because I don't feel like <laughs> you don't feel like yeah. you have little tiny hands. Yeah, I'm like, my, this is my people. <laughs> um, but they, what I do like that they have um, also is they have some more moto gloves with leather palms. Again, Icon's one of those companies that. For some reason, I don't really know why. I I know that this part of the industry is growing, but it doesn't seem like Icon is associated with them that well. But um, was that a cat getting? I, shot I don't know what that was. It was a weird thing. Um, but they they spent a lot of time and effort on the ADV market, so maybe they were just early to the game and and you know saw it happening. But so I would check for gloves. That, you know, like I said, they make some that are. A little bit lighter like a motocross glove But with a nicer, thicker palm And a little bit more protection than a moto glove And if you want to go full leather You know, I, I don't discourage that But I know a lot of the ADV To me is more moto style So Yeah, and you can go full Iron like a Knights Like an old Knights glove From like the uh, seven, 1500s I almost said 1700s Got I'm, <laughs> I'm a few centuries off from like the 14 and 1500s But I've tried that before, and when my hand got ran over, it smashes your hand inside, and then you can't get it out. So yeah. I wouldn't rec- – even though leather doesn't sound as hard as metal, you know, like it's it's a little stupider to wear metal in this day and age. But wigs, I think that was a- awesome. I think that was a good one. All right. Hey, if you have any questions that you want to submit, uh, A-S-K-W-I-G-G-Z at gmail.com. And if you could play a funky slap bass, send us in some tracks. Oh, yeah. We'll throw them on the Speaking of that, Rick James, where's that demo at? Yeah, Rick James, where's that demo? We even got a casting couch in the studio now. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to come be on the show one of these days. So, hey, we're going to... Wiggins doesn't know this because I didn't tell him, but we're going to mm. talk a little bit of... M- it's pretty typical of our weekly shows. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it has gotten that way. I'm super sorry. I In the future, well, that will change, okay? <laughs> I wonder, like, <laughs> I've gotten compliments on um, the banter and uh-huh. kind of the unscripted. Yeah. So I'm wondering if... I don't know. I Sometimes I like to know what we're talking about. Yeah, I know. And I'm sorry, but your improv skills are getting way better. <laughs> I do have to say that. But um, if they still listen to us, then they're, they're going to continue yeah, listening to us. Here, look at this page real quick while I memorize what I wrote down on it. There's only four things. I should be able to memorize that. But, you know, like I've got smashed over the head with beer bottles so many times I can barely remember my name sometimes. That's why I just go by junk. It's super easy. But uh, on this week's show, I want to give you a quick update of the motorcycle podcast uh round two we got the results back today and um yeah a lot of stuff has happened in this last week that i wasn't too happy about girl on a moto and frankly chris singsheim is getting a little bit depressed (laughs) and uh sadly here's what happened I, i put down a lot of drama um and i just wanted to say that since then, since I got real mad and threw some stuff around and my wife had to calm me down because I'm a terrible loser and a poor sport. And I, I admit that freely. I decided that this week... Just mad you're getting beat by a girl. That's what my wife said too. And it's not. I'm mad that we're, <laughs> we were going to come in this and going to blow everyone's doors off and we've actually fallen back to sixth. The only team that we are beating is the single rider, which was me last year. <laughs> the, the the guy that's riding by himself is uh, the only guy we're beating and he's so far out of the points that I felt like kind of this week, maybe just doing some charity riding for his team. I, know I can't do that because when you sign up, you have to sign up for teams in the beginning. But So there was some drama and here's the drama. 
when somebody on the East Coast is getting like, I don't know, fucking Blountville, Blountville Courthouse, Mercyboro Township, or uh, <laughs> East West Side North Carbuncle Borough, or um, Sparkston Wilshire Village, like there's all these townships, villages, and boroughs on the East Coast, right? And so that's something that us West Coasters are like, oh, man, we're never going to be able to catch up with that crap. But then to have a local team so when you know that you're going to get something, they can get it too, that really made me upset. And Girl on a Moto, I have to say, I've got over my anger, <laughs> my anger issues <laughs> and my poor sportsmanship because I'm always trying to tell my kids uh, that it's, you know, it's not about winning, it's about playing. And that's true. So I just want to say I'm not going to bag on anybody on the show. I'm all for a girl on a moto jumping ahead and taking out some of the teams in front of us. Having said that, Chris Singsheim, we will get there, buddy. Don't worry. Sometimes when you figure out something on the second lap of a third lap race, it's just not your season. And maybe there's always next season. Okay, bud? But listen, we're going to do our best still. The fight's not over. And if you walk out onto the battlefield expecting to lose, you're going to lose. So I learned that from the art of war. And I just talked to Wiggins about that this weekend. Like, I, I, I think we're still going to do pretty good, buddy. Don't worry about it. Also, Chris, um, so I was upset. The whole, the whole reason I wrote drama on here, I wrote these notes like earlier this week and I was like, dude, they keep <laughs> stealing my letters. But then I realized they're not my letters to steal. They're just a very valuable town. I happen to post them first and then they happen to say, oh, rad, I'll be there tomorrow. And they go and get them. And I was like, thieves, but it's all part of the game. I mean, honestly, you publicly posted Yeah, them, that's what so. my wife said. And then she slapped me in the face a few times and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm cool. But also... Good on girl on a moto. They've got 83,000 people to ride. They've had a lot of fun. <laughs> and Beulah has had... You can't uh, even get your co-host to ride. I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I will show you their rider list later. Like, that's why everybody was laughing about it at the beginning and giving them shit. But it's, you know, they got a lot of people out there on the road. And Beulah has been, like, putting on more miles than... That's kind of, well, obviously, than your co-host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of awesome, though, that they got so many people Beulah out to ride. Beulah has inspired me to, to like... inspire you. Oh, man. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Beulah's going to be in here next week. You're going to go over there. You're going to ride out the <laughs> I got to go out there next week. <laughs> that's why I didn't We're show you... We're switching. That's why I didn't show you the notes for next week. No, just kidding. Um, no, but... I never know if I'm going to have running bikes at the time either. Yeah, I know. Like I know. My, Beulah I, did I broke it. apart on my Harley, so... I think I think uh, on the girl on the motor show, Beulah's bike broke down and she had to borrow a bike for the first week. So I was like, she even borrowed a fucking bike. I mean, I'm borrowing a bike, but her bike broke down and she still like almost still kicked her ass. Almost kicked our ass the first week. Definitely the second week. We're I mean, in her defense, like you borrowed a bike that is so far different from what you've ever ridden. Oh well, not that I've ever ridden. Like you're just like that I normally ride. Yeah, that I've ridden in a long time at least. Yeah, for sure. it's like all new. Every time you leave the house, you're like, what is this thing? Yeah. It's huge. It's 94. I haven't owned, I haven't personally owned anything. Uh, that's wrong. I haven't owned anything cool that was newer than 94. I had a big <laughs> crappy 2000s cruiser for a while that I sold in a week. And that wasn't like that at all either. Like top speed on that thing, yeah, 1100 cc's and it couldn't even match what that thing can do with third gear. But so the drama, there is no drama. I've, I've dropped it and I've decided to be a good sportsman and I hope they do really good. I do have to say there was some other things though that I've noticed after fucking five or 600 miles in the seat 
Uh, I think I actually only did 350 the first week. So I don't know what I'm talking about, five or 600 miles. But this last week, I did quite a few. And I noticed that my testicles and taint <laughs> really hurt on that seat. And now I know why people undo their stock seats. And um, yeah, let me uh, hold this up. I got oh, you. Look I got at, you. Don't worry about look it. Look at these sound effects, bro. <laughs> I hope we can do this filming. Anyway, my, I found out that sitting on my hand alleviates the pain in my chode when I'm riding, but not a lot of people like to see a, a man riding around sitting on his hand. <laughs> but that thing, to, to, to flat foot it, I have to like basically nut up to the tank. And then I realized, like, and also what pants I wear, I guess. So I realized when I made Spamela's seat, I made it for myself. I made it and I made it really narrow at the front so my legs weren't like out. Yeah. And so this thing is a, a little bit out. And so, yeah, dude, my, my baloney was hurting after the first week, like super <laughs> bad. And my wife was out of town and I was super glad because I didn't want her to see me like icing my junk. Well, week two, sort of the same thing happened. And when I figured out sitting on my hand helped, <laughs> let me tell you, there was a few offended drivers covering their kids' <laughs> eyes. As you know, in your defense too, um, Hondas, especially their sport and semi-sport bikes, are known for having two by four seats. Yeah, like just well, and it slants forward, so it like pushes me into the tank. Yeah, my RC you know? wasn't bad about that. My Yamaha was real bad about that. Yeah. Had it too much angle to the seat, and it yeah. just slammed me forward. Yeah, I've uh, had some old Yamahas and ridden some old Yamahas that the stock frames. I swear to God, they were like a V, and they wanted you to just mm-hmm. like slide in there. But so I sat back a little bit and I did the Lorenzo thing. Lorenzo at MotoGP, he needed that new tank to be more comfortable so he'd ride better. Mm-hmm. And now they did it, and he's been riding better, and I guess he'd said it before, and now he's leaving Ducati, now that they're finally, like... Now that he's, like, doing well on him, he's... Yeah. Who's he going to now? Cause he, uh, Honda. He's going to be at Honda. With oh, yeah, the, he was the Yamaha guy, because Pedrosa's finally leaving Honda, isn't he? Yeah. After, like, 10 years or something. 18 years or something like that, because he started out at 125s with oh, them. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, so Lorenzo is going to take that seat and he's finally doing good on Ducati because they finally started listening to him now that he's bailing. So I realized what he said, what he meant about like the tank holding you back from, I bet his nuts were getting smashed against the tank too, but also going faster at a much, um, lower, what do I want to say? Like a much lower, um, stress on the engine like it's just easier to go way faster oh yeah spamalas ringed out at right 90, right and so i didn't realize how fast i was going and i i was always like oh telling my wife like oh yeah i, I don't usually split lanes at 60 that's kind of you know kind of fast when people aren't moving especially and you're doing 60 <laughs> between but then i found myself doing it and uh and it just because it felt like i was doing 40 so the difference between being wrung out at 70 miles an hour and feel like you're doing 20 miles at 70 uh, miles an hour because of the wind resistance and everything. like Spamala is a naked bike and this thing's got a fairing. Um, I found myself doing stuff I normally wouldn't do and kind of riding like a hooligan dick. <laughs> <laughs> so I just realized I haven't had like a fun, fast bike and it's been years. I mean, it's been probably since my kids were born at least. So in the last six years, I haven't had a fun, um, cool bike. And uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, maybe I need to get one again. I forgot how fun it is to actually be able to go fast. But uh, the, the other thing I wanted to mention about that, like being at a speed and it doesn't feel like you're going fast, so you just keep going faster, is what you mentioned, the helmets, man. My helmet sucks. The neck fatigue. 
I noticed when I was riding up at the, up along the coast, the wind coming off the coast, because mm. you know how there's always like a breeze coming off mm. the ocean. Dude, my I was like basically looked like I was disagreeing with someone for like 60 miles because it was like <laughs> I was shaking my head. And I was trying to, and at the end of that day, it hurt. And then when I was riding inland, not even a problem. So it was just like all these weird problems that I noticed that I never had. Well, actually, I had with Spamla, but because it's the speed I was riding. But it's just funny, like you can go faster and it creates like a new, new little problems that you mm-hmm. never experienced before, you know? When noise in helmets too, like yeah. you never realize oh, how much like good helmets buffer the wind or make it quieter. And- yeah, my helmet, the friggin' like little chin thing fell off. It like just delaminated and came off or whatever, whatever, they, whatever adhesive they use on there. Um, probably because it got up to 6,000 degrees in my old garage. And uh, the glue just probably like dried out, and so that like makes even more wind noise coming under. So I, I always ride with earplugs now, but man, it yeah, it can get crazy loud. So that's my thing. We we dropped back to fifth. Uh, just a little report for all of you that are still cheering us on. I have to give huge, humongous shout outs to uh, Chad, Aaron, and Nikki. Nikki got fifth place overall this week in the riders, and she blew out the miles. She only got beat because some people were doing like again like 17 and 1900 miles and stuff like that and like 900 miles like people are just going nuts because they're on summertime road trips right now so a lot of people um were beating them aaron and uh i think all three of them live in wisconsin and it's been hotter than satan's scrotum up there recently and so i know they've been dealing with that too everybody up there has been dealing with that so now it's getting that way today down here today it was really hot so thank you guys so much you're um your support, I'm so proud of where you guys are. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to get there myself. And with Paul in India this week, Singsheim burned his freaking leg on a coolant. A coolant hose blew off at the track and scalded his leg for anybody that doesn't follow uh, Singsheim. And so he's got like a third degree burn on his leg, and uh, or at least a nice second degree burn. And uh, I he's got a race in Iowa. So I was like, dude, go race. You're going to regret it if you don't. Yeah. You go to a race and you still come in second or last, second to last or last. Like that single rider dude, who knows? He may do like some crazy shit like I did and catapult up past us even. So I was like, you're going to regret it if you don't go race and still, if you miss your race and still come in last. So go fucking race. Plus, you got to burn fucking leg. I feel terrible for these guys, but uh, I have good hopes for creative writing. And, and again, it might just be like Jeffrey Carver's, you know, Mechanicals. It just might not be our our season, guys. It might not be our race. So, um, I, yeah, we'll we'll see. Or we'll may, see. maybe it'll be your Springfield. You just like, yeah. La, uh, I, I definitely feel like quote lap three this next week. I learned some stuff that I really wish I would have learned last week, um, and applied it. So, but there, there's more crap that happened. But I don't, you know, I don't want to take forever talking about it. Um, I want to get on to the next stuff, which is actually speaking of Jeffrey Carver racing. Did you watch any of the racing in the last couple of weeks? My dumbass missed Lima and I was at home. Oh, I missed Lima because I was out trying to win. <laughs> I missed Lima and I still got in fifth place this week. <laughs> but Carver pulled off another second. Yeah. I was actually looking today, didn't even think about talking about it tonight, but I was looking today and he's sitting in fifth in the points or mm-hmm. fourth fourth i think yeah i want to yeah last year he finished fifth and right now he's sitting in fourth it's actually um meese obviously and then henry wiles in second 
I mean, Mister, like pretty consistent. <laughs> I know. You know, and he, I mean, he podiumed at Lima, but you know, I think when is Peoria coming up, man? He's going to get a little bonus, probably. Yeah, I think there's one in between Lima and Peoria, or maybe two. Uh, well, there's Weed Sport this weekend. Yeah, Weed Sport's happening this weekend, which is in New York, I think. And then I thought um, that was a Colorado race. For it. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. That's the mile high race oh, okay. in uh, Colorado. Yeah, so Weed Sport is um, New York. It's Saturday. They're actually going to have some hooligans there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted It's actually going to be a, a good hooligan one because um, I know the guy put it on. Plus, I think a lot of the Wisconsin guys are going. Um, actually, I'd say most of the Wisconsin guys are going. Um, I think the whole state of Wisconsin might be going. One of our listeners, Trevor Mon, is gonna. Well, he um, he crashed this weekend and drug his pinky between the bar and the track. And, oh, I saw that. Yeah, he's in a little cast God, and stuff. So, so um, oh, that looks so terrible. But you know how racers are. He's probably gonna cut the cast off and go. <laughs> it looked bad, but I was like, oh yeah, his um, knee and his pinky. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he can walk, I guarantee and shift, I guarantee. Oh he's gonna yeah, go. I mean. You know how we're all fucking stupid, so yeah. I'm <laughs> Everyone just, that races is stupid. Let's spend more money than we have to to ride our motorcycle less than we should. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then when we get hurt, let's miss work and rehab it so we can rehab it for racing. <laughs> so right? we can go racing again. <laughs> I was ready to cut my cast off to go racing, and yeah. then the doctor's like, "That's good." He goes, "We can cut it off," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, you're gonna cut it off, or I'm gonna cut it off," and he's like, "What?" Or he was like, well, maybe we'll put one on again. And I was like, you're going to have to wait till Monday after I race this weekend. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> but, Did he just okay you for it after that? He's like, I just go. Just uh, yeah, he was kind of like, it, the brake was old anyway. So he was like, wasn't worried about putting it back on. Yeah. So I saw that, didn't Carver, He, I saw some rad photo shoots that he almost did a little cartwheel oh yeah it's um the first one's funny it looks like he's doing a rad wheelie in yeah, the corner. yeah i was like oh damn he's getting it and then i went to the next one i was like oh he was like yeah. about to bit he's like he went, he went lock to one side to lock the other side to lock you can just see him ride that thing dude it just like bounces him and he just kind of stays on it and yeah i think cory texter might have crash too there it looked deep that pea gravel looks mm-hmm. deep as all get out but um i'm gonna call it right now i want to say congratulations to jared meese for uh the 2018 season because he's taken 10 there's only 18 rounds right or 19 I rounds mean, and he's taken 10 and i think at this point the only way he could lose would be get busted cheating again mm-hmm. the only one that he hasn't podiumed is that one that he got disqualified for yeah so he's came in first i forget how many out of the uh, there's if been there's 10, 10 rounds eight one was a DQ and one was Carver at yeah. Springfield. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. So so and so he was second there. Yeah. So he's one, eight or nine. He's podium. Yeah. Whatever the number is, he's won all but yeah. two. He's podiumed all but the one that he DQ'd, and so so he's ma- got mathematically. I think that there's nine rounds left, or maybe even eight. And so I don't think that he can. I mean. L- I mean, think about it. If he finishes top 10 the rest of the season, he's got it locked up. Yeah. If he finishes 10th, he's probably, (laughs) I haven't done the math. Yeah. 
This uh, is creative writing, folks. We just yeah. kind of spit shit out of our mouth. No, I, I would guess if he finished 10th at every other round from here on out, he will still win the championship. For a guy that has podiumed all but one race, how likely do you think that is? Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. I'm saying if he finished 10th yeah. in every race... Yeah, not not even top ten, just tenth. Yeah, in all the last rounds, I think he would still. He's got a ninety nine percent. He, I mean, I don't without doing the math. Like he's really got a good shot of winning because you also got to think like how many people would finish top ten all of those rounds too. Henry Wiles, maybe actually looking at his results, Carver. Maybe if he can keep away from mechanicals, but are those guys close enough? And who is third in points? Are those are the oh Brad Baker? Are any of those guys close enough that I mean, without winning, you know, all the nine rounds that are left or whatever to to pass him? And then exactly what you said with the season he's had so far, chances are he's gonna win seven out of nine of those rounds. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm, I, I wrote here, I'm calling it now 2018 champ. Oh, I totally agree with it. Yeah. I, I would totally, totally agree with it. I think um, Wiles is consistent, but at this point, he's going to have to do way more than consistent. You know, I think Carver could get around Baker in the points. Um, yeah, Carver and Baker are really 10, 10 points separated. <laughs> yeah, Baker, and Baker's third and Carver's in fourth, and it's a 10-point difference right now. I think even for third, I think you get 17 points or something Yeah, like and that, honestly, so. with Carver, it's a 15th at Daytona, a DNF at uh, Sacramento, and a 17th at uh, Kentucky. He or 18th. He made the main and blew up on the first lap. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't he just do that the other day too? That was Kentucky. Was okay. Two. It was the one right before Lima was Kentucky. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He had a good one. Was sitting in like fourth or fifth, coming out of two in the first yeah. lap. And oh man, I saw the smoke. And he, I was like, oh, yeah, he throws again. his arm up and pulls off quick, man. Yeah, don't do. Oops, don't do uh, as much damage. So that was our timer racing. That's our racing segment. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so Wiles and Meese are only sixty-seven points. I mean, that's that's a that's about three. Um, they get twenty-five for first, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I I want to say like twenty or something for second, and then seventeen for third. I think something like that. I haven't looked at the points in a while. I'm going off memory, which is terrible. But in <laughs> uh, fifth, I'm super stoked to see Coolbeth, and he's a hundred something now. He's like a hundred and fifteen off of first place. But um, it's- he was up into second. I mean, obviously after Atlanta, but. I think, you know, and then he podiumed at a, he did another podium too, right after Atlanta. Yeah, he was on fire there for a little bit. He was. Yeah. I think, it's you gonna, know, I think he had something he wanted to say to everyone. Yeah. And I think even after the last like three seasons, uh, he'll like this. So going out top 10 even would be like a good high highlight for him or like Dude, a, at, I mean, what I want to know is at Daytona next year, who will be the winningest rider on the line? Or in the paddock. Meese? Well, it'll be Meese because he's tied with Coolbeth right now for... Oh, is he tied for wins with Coolbeth? Something like that, yeah. Oh, then he's going to beat him before he retires. That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome that Coolbeth is there, but I'm just saying, like, it's it would be cool, like, to retire as winning more than everyone else that season. You know, not the season, but, like, 
your career up to then. I mean, if me past him next year, then whatever, but yeah. So, Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, they've completed 11 races. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. You can six, just look at the seven, point standings eight, and nine, it, 10, it's a lot 11. easier. There's 19 in the. So eight left. Yeah. So, I mean, how does Meese not have it right now? I, just, I, I mean, if he's only 60 points ahead, too, he's not locked in yet. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's 20. So he's got 11 out of 20. But, I mean. So he's won 9 out of 20. Yeah. Podiumed another. Zero one. hurts, but look at last year. Last year at Lima, he got a zero. And he won, he sewed the championship up like three races later. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I. Only 25 down to 20 for second. Like, you're not going to dominate so bad. I guess, yeah, I mean, you get up five points around, so the 25 points, you know, because when you go from first, when you're leading by 60 points, you said, and you get a second, you're still leading by 55 points. Yeah, 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 I know. That's, so that's why the if single, the guy in second is the guy that won it, and that's not the case right now. Yeah, that's why the singles, it was so hard for Shayna to – you know what I mean? To beat Colby even with some good finishes when you miss TTs and stuff or you miss. Well, and she went, she was, I don't want to say checkers or records. That's not the correct term for her. She was first or last basically. Yeah, like yeah, She yeah. was either didn't make the show to TT or a short track or won a mile. And Kobe was top three, top five. Like the dude was yeah. just consistent. I, I did it. I did his uh, places average and I think it was seventh place average over all his races, and that's all it took was a few podiums, a few firsts, and then mm-hmm. the seventh place consistency for him to wrap it up. You Especially know? in the singles. I mean, look at how many riders don't go to every show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you see a lot less of that in the main, and you even see some of the singles guys trying to race them, uh, twins um, main to do their provisionals and stuff yeah, right? yeah. to get their like you know advancement and all <laughs> well, that Well, and stuff. they had, um, like even he was one at one of the miles, think something happened to his but someone else made the main on a on a twin like their first time out on one of the miles i think it was sacramento actually because since the singles raced the tt the night before they had nothing to do on sunday so why not which totally makes sense i mean get some experience yeah because from someone that's been on a mile (laughs) get some experience on a mile (laughs) holy shit yeah so hey i was a little bit wrong I counted 20 events, and I, I thought it was only an 18-event season. I counted – I forgot that they have a flat uh, – the Twins one day and uh, the singles the other day okay. for the Springfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also for um, – And the short track too. The Yeah, the Springfield short Springfield track. one and two, yeah. they do it for both. Yeah. So there is only 18, and there and he's won 10 out of the – well, there's been 10 out of 18. So he's he's – been on the podium at least nine out of 18 so half yeah. of them so it's just that one or two that he missed the podium and, got and honestly qualified so he could have give the guy next, next race he could have the championship give the guy one mechanical yeah i'd say i mean he's gonna i, I haven't you I know haven't what i wouldn't the, even do that i, I bet he's on the podium i bet he's on the podium every single yeah. round this year yeah he's been minus the so dq far. yeah he's been doing it so uh, far yeah, dude. I, I mean i haven't and seen let's it. let's face it like love him or hate him and i know that 
people don't necessarily not like me. So what they don't like is one person dominating. And I get it, dude. It gets it gets boring. Like, oh, look, Mies is winning again. And someone even, I read someone's comment on like a Facebook thing. They're like, oh, man, the twins mean, oh, yawn. And I'm like, really? Watch the races. Watch other battles. Like, was it yawn for first? Or was it also yawn for like fifth or sixth? Yeah, or, you know. Oh yeah, when you look at those guys, shoot, like you, like yeah, Halbert was one of my favorite racers forever, and and now that he's on the um, Harley, he well he when he was on his XR he was badass XR Yamaha all that stuff. Now that he's a factory rider, he's battling for tenth. You know what I mean? But he, but he's battling back there, and Davis, yeah, I Davis mean, Fisher, him and Davis Fisher are like banging bars. Well, Davis has had some real good. Finishes yeah, this year. Yeah. Look at Sacramento. You would have podiumed. I think. I, I think what got him there was um, being young and kind of dumb. Um, he had a chance to get out front, and he took advantage of it. And when you watch Sacramento, you can actually see it at Cal, uh, Cal or not Calistoga, but uh, yeah, when you watch sorry Springfield, and you can also see it at Sacramento. Carver sat back like behind Smith and behind Meese and his heat or semi. And he sat back and made a move on the last lap. One, he wanted, I think he wanted to see if he could pass on the outside or he knew it, you know, that I don't, I don't even claim to have an eighth of that kid's riding talent, but maybe he knew he could pass on the outside and he wanted to show everyone or whatever, but he made a last corner pass around Smith on the outside and then tried to run Mies, you know, draft him on the straightaway. Like, I think what he was doing was he was back there taking notes. And then when you watch the main, like, yeah, he runs off, but Fisher runs in second for a long time. Where I think he would have been smarter. I mean, dude, you had Jared Meese and Kenny Coolbeth, and you're Davis Fisher. And I don't want to take anything away from Fisher, dude. He's a very young, very, very talented rider. Like, I see that kid being... Jared Meese in five or six yeah, years. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, he he was really good. Even when he was the Harley development rider, he was pretty good. Yeah. And um, I thought he'd be doing a little bit better, to be honest, this year. But the competition has got so crazy this year, and everyone's on an Indian now. Yeah. And it's like, it changed a little bit this year. Oh, for sure. And, <laughs> I mean, I think... Um, Back up like two or three years and don't let Indian come in and you've got like a whole different well everybody and I'm not against Indian in because everyone's on the same bike but it works. Yeah. So you know, you're on the same bike as the guy winning right now. And as much as a Harley guy, I hate that. Um part of me likes it because it Harley's dominated for so long that it's not that I want to see someone else win, but it raises the bar for everybody, for sure, right? Well, what I think, and this is like, you know, people listen to the show probably hear me talk about how Honda's gotten boring. Um, I think when it comes to flat track, Harley has relied on the XR just being a damn good tractor for so long. And now they've, you know, they, the people that, de- let's face it, the people that develop the XR are long gone. They haven't been at Harley for a long time. And, you know, they, 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 in a way, they built that motor to be a race motor, although really it's a sportster. Like, let's be honest, it's, it's a, a really hot rod sporty motor, but it, it, I mean, and honestly, you had the spikes before that. So I feel like the guys that developed that developed a race motor that 
they knew would work because they knew that that just worked well on dirt. When they developed the XG, they developed a motor to sell to India. And then they thought, oh, hey, it's a 750. It's a four valve. It's an overhead cam so we can rev it harder. It's a better motor than the XR. I bet it will do really well on dirt. And it's not. And there's a lot of reasons it's not. And I have a lot of opinions on that and um, zero facts. But um, either way, like, hopefully, I'm good. Hopefully, what it does is either A, makes them develop a real no nonsense race motor like Indian did, or B, figure out the XG. Like, it, it's, it sucks, and I hate seeing them lose. And I hate going to the track and seeing people that I know from Factory Harley and everyone's just, in a way, like, boom, they're getting beat. But Sounds par- like the motorcycle podcasters challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but part of me is like, it's fucking racing, man. When you get beat, you go back to your garage and you figure out what's going on. Like, you, you discuss it amongst, like, as a racer... If you're going to have a team that's successful, you need to have guys around you that you know know their shit and that you trust. And then you discuss it as a team, not as an individual, not as a person that hasn't been around dirt track for 20 years, um, not as a boss, as a team. And you, you do what the team deems is best. And I think that's evident in Carver's success the last year and a half, almost two years or almost actually just calendar year really you know last half most of last season and and all of this season so far and when you watch them in the pits and when you watch uh you know Meese and his crew chief and you watch these guys in the pits they discuss and they agree on something there's no one person saying we need this we need that this is what we're going to do you discuss it with someone that you trust and you know knows their shit and then you come up with a solution and you kind of you almost meet in the middle because the writer has opinions and the writer is obviously your first like your first line of like this is what i think the bike's doing but dude i've been on a bike before and and honestly you got a guy you know at that level with a stopwatch i wish i had that once in a while i did have it in tennessee and i rode a lap that felt slower and my buddy's like that one was almost a tenth faster and he's like i'm using a stopwatch on my phone you know he's like i don't know how accurate it is he goes but when you did that line it was about a tenth faster and it felt slower and it felt slower yeah and yeah you can never trust your brain or the butt dyno or any of that stuff because it will always lie to you like (sighs) it really doesn't um because i did know that that higher line that i was doing was faster but and i knew that there was traction up there i didn't know it was that much faster and when it felt slower and was still faster i was like oh okay we have something here but you what i'm saying like you need both of those people yeah yeah to to do that and um you know, I'm kind of hoping the Harley team, you know, and I don't know how much of this they do. I can't say that they don't do it, but, you know, I'm hoping they just, you know, once in a while, it's good to work hard for what you got. Yeah. And it, and in a way, they've had it so easy for so long that they maybe they forgot what it takes to win, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, I think that's well said. And I think that they thought... Uh, listening to the talking heads that the XR was getting to its 
lifetime or its life cycle. And um, a lot of people were saying they need to go water. The Harley needs to finally go water cooled so you can rev it, so you can do a bunch of different stuff. Put you know, change from what they're doing. I don't. They tried it, and we'll see what happens. It's not over yet. You know what I'm saying? They're still developing it. I don't fully agree with that. Um, One. As evident by Texas last year, by Paris last year, by X Games last year, by Atlanta last year. Wait, are you going to say all the XRs that won? <laughs> they didn't win all of them, but they're relevant. Now, here is the but difference. The thing is, is though, is that the, by the rules, you can't. There was something about the rules where you can't get, you can't make new parts for those, right? You have to use like service. I think that's why they went to the XG is because you have to use. Oh, Harley quit making parts. That's what I'm saying. Like you have it, to There use was nothing with parts. the rules, but Harley just quit making parts. Yeah, but I don't think you're allowed aftermarket. Yeah, everyone so runs so. aftermarket everything. They're running Wiseco the or CP pistons. They're not running Harley pistons. So what the hell was their beef with the XR and the parts then? Harley quit making them, so they got expensive. They turned into gold. I see. And a lot of people, like, they wanted to keep what they had because they have an XR that, yeah, they don't race, but they want to have parts for. Um, and was it nearing the end of its life cycle? Yes or n- yes and no. It was a high-maintenance motor, and the Indian has not been. Um, and it, it, it was a bike that they would check out motor stuff pretty often, and that made it expensive. It was expensive anyway, but that made it more expensive. And it was kind of finicky, and all of them were carbureted still. So it definitely had things that I think needed updated. But honestly, for dirt, when you have a contact patch that's like two inches wide, <laughs> um, how much power do you need? You, you know, like 70 horsepower, according <laughs> to the uh, experts. Yeah. I think it's more like 90, but 70 is not bad. Uh, yeah. I, they, they're saying that they, yeah, the bikes make more than 70, but they can only get 70 down to the, they make a 70 horsepower tire because that's about all you can get to the dirt. Uh, I'd say it depends on the track because my bike makes more than 70, has shitty suspension. And I, if you're wide open, like on a half mile, like Paris half mile clay, I'm wide open before I'm even out of the corner huh. and I want more power. Maybe they need to talk to Wiggins about his setup. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's doubt, just, I doubt that one. That was just the article I read about. Uh, they were about the tire makers and stuff. They were saying that they the bikes make about one ten or something like that. I, but, I'm pretty sure a off the showroom Indian. Makes ninety two. I don't okay. know if that's crank or ground. So with the race hop ups, that's probably ground. Time. Yeah, um, I've heard rumors around the dyno room at um, my employer <laughs> that the it, it, Harleys are closer to one or one ten at the ground. Um, I have also heard from a fairly reliable source that a bone stock fifty thousand dollar Indian is ninety two. Jared Mises is like ninety five. Hmm. Now, I've also watched Jared Meese drive around guys on a mile without drafting. Um, and I've also heard his bike, and it sounds a little different. So, I, <laughs> I, you know, those dudes know what they're doing. But um, I, I have heard from a decent source that they're not really killing it in the power game on the Indians. But, again, the Harleys were they were pricey. Parts were getting hard to find. And that that, I think, was driving them away. Um, the Cowies were getting popular because they were affordable. Yeah. Indian came in and said, we developed a motor and then a, a bike that is both 
reliable, affordable, makes power, has a more historic flat track name, even though Indian is not the name of that company. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's a, they, they spent the time and effort to develop a factory flat track bike and it happens to be kicking ass. So kudos to them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Real quickly. Uh, I also wanted to say congratulations to Sheena Texter who pulled off a podium at Lima, her first uh, win of the year. And also the first win for the Husqvarna. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. And she's the winningest singles rider, I want to say, right now in the series. And so she is, uh, she's been kicking booty. She's been pretty close. And so this is just one more step toward making some moves on the Husky and making history with Husky, which I think is rad. Next year, KTM is going to be in the Twins. And uh, oh, they're going to develop a twin. Yeah, and I forget who's going to be in. I think they might be in the singles if they're not. They're already in the singles. Well, no, yes and no. There's a rider on a KTM winning races, but KTM Factory is not in the singles. Sorry. So maybe they'll be joining the. I'm hoping in the singles. I'm hoping I only. Th- no, I knew they were doing something with the twins, but I'm hoping they take. Is it Bromley? Yeah, he's number one in points, by the way, right now. And he was. And he's uh, on a KTM, right? Yeah, I thought so. I'm hoping they just give him some factory support on a single. Um, yeah, the, at the last TT, I swear he, the orange bike was flying through the air. Yeah, I think that was who won on the orange one. Time's up. Next subject. Time's up. Next subject. We actually got a. Uh, and also, Josh Heron's doing really good in Moto America. The end. <laughs> That's the end of our racing segment, folks. Right now, we got uh, a little segment that we haven't done in a while. I'm going to... Um, I didn't find a Craigslist bike. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. Well, hang on real quick. We'll be right back. If ugly bikes were a crime, you'd be in jail. Yours should be cool, but it's an ultimate fail. You think your ride's awesome. It's a huge piece of shit. That's only my opinion, but it's totally legit. I'm saying what your friends do when you're not around. It's time for Roast My Bike. Yeah, yeah. By the way, thank you, uh, Creative Writing, for making that awesome song for this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, tonight we got a total POS. Uh, God, it looks like a pumpkin with a bunch of bean cans shoved into it. But we got a, a bike from a listener. I just posted it up right moments before Wigs uh, came over on the Instagrams. And maybe that's how we should have been promoting this show altogether was via a, a, who knew that you could promote stuff via a social media channel and have <laughs> successful feedback. <laughs> so, uh, J M Langland send us in this beautiful. I almost said beautiful. It's a Ducati. It's a 2000. Uh, I've seen some really beautiful turds in my day. Yeah. It's a beautiful turd. It looks like a, a wasp that may love to a pumpkin and then had some bean cans shoved into it, but it's a 2012 monster 696. And all I can say is that those mirrors, um, I've seen handlebars on a old 
like 1936 motorcycle that looked skinnier. <laughs> like, look how wide those are. You could not split lanes on those things. You must not live in California. Yeah, you'd be chopping into door panels. On, on you might as well. Uh, I mean, uh, can you see your back when you look in those? They're so wide out there. It seems like you can see that you're. you're They're so wide. You actually look forward. Forward. <laughs> you. I, it's so funny. I at my work, we you know we had to right stuff for the automotive industry and i think it's so funny rear view mirror is the terminology in the automotive industry is there such a mirror that you don't look that doesn't look rearward <laughs> otherwise it's just a piece of glass even a one way quote mirror is really just like a maybe cuz he rides a ducati what those are for is actually just to look at yourself yeah <laughs> Damn, my ass looks good in this mirror. In these, <laughs> damn, who's that good-looking dude dang. on the bike? It's me. And then he's all, dang, who took two Folgers cans, peeled the labels off, and shoved them onto my exhaust pipes, and used a plunger? Uh, <laughs> look at this. I'm going to show on you. The this. End of, yeah, a plunger on the end to plug the hole up to yeah. make it quiet. Well, no, it doesn't. This look like dude, a, not like, even a Folgers can does that. Like a Folgers can, like three times longer and twice the diameter. This part literally looks like a brown plunger stuck onto the exhaust. Oh, I was even thinking the outlet looks like the rubber part almost. Yeah, like if you pulled the wood <laughs> handle out of the rubber part and just stuck it on the end of the Folgers can. Oh my God! The deco- and um, Folgers can by someone I see four of them in a garage right now. We are referring to the old metal ones. Yeah, the, I got the I got the new Wango Tango plastic floatable ones up in here. Yo. Uh, yeah, this thing is, it I, does scream like, look at me. It does. Like I'm on a Ducati. I got my day in easy leathers. It looks like you might be in California too. So, oh man, I chop those mirrors. Yeah. How the hell do you lane split with this thing? Maybe on a Ducati you don't, you want people to see you yeah. and there's no way they can't see you when you're riding this friggin' wasp. The thing pumpkin. is bright. He says he's five foot five and he can flat foot it. Uh, my friend, I'm four foot eleven, and I can flat foot bribe if it's VFR if I go nuts to butts on that tank. So uh, I don't it know. It is what- a six nine six, right? Yeah. Man. He said it's not lowered either, and I'm looking at this, and it does. It's because it was built for women, not to be gender biased. <laughs> J.M. Langland might be Jenny Marie Langland for all I know. Oh, I don't, true. Could I don't be. know this person. Could be. I don't know this person. I also want to know why they got scrambler tires on the front. And a um, hypermotard tire on the back. <laughs> mm, this is an interesting. Maybe he wheelies this thing and uh, uses lands the, in the gravel. Uses the mirrors as those like feet hooks, like the X, <laughs> like a uh, FMX, you know, like yeah. freestyle motocross feet hooks. Yeah, they used to have the old hooks. I don't even know if they still run those. Yeah, but. dude, could you could you imagine grocery shopping on this thing would be so nice because you could just hang the bags off those mirrors and even in the turn fully lean they're so wide it wouldn't hit the bike at all i bet it looks really mean parked in front of starbucks yeah totally totes bro i know he has it parked in the middle of the road even he thinks it should be ran over or she i'm guessing it's a it's a dude if they listen to this show because most of the ladies that listen to the show don't listen to the show they (laughs) They ride for girl they on a about, moto, yeah. and they're not going to listen very much longer after this week. <laughs> they tune into Misfits and Girl on a Moto. They're like, I'm going to tune in to see how bad he lost by on to Girl on a Moto. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I heard and, he got beat really bad. And most of the other girls that listen to the show ride, uh, you know, Harley Davidson's wouldn't be caught dead on this thing. So listen, J.M. Langland, I don't know who you or your monster 696 is, but listen. Me and thumbs are, me and thumbs are giving it the wigs down. I, I meant to say, <laughs> me and wigs are giving it the thumbs down. Um, 
Uh, yeah. We're really bad at roasting bikes. Yeah. Pfft, this was awesome. Hey, bike, what do you, <laughs> what do you think of us? Oh, oh no! Oh no! Is this a? a did we totally? We need a third here? guy just to do sound effects all yeah. the time. Yeah, I know it's hard to produce and be a host. Maybe I should let you run the show. No, I think by my when you like get up to do something and you like <laughs> you, get you point at me, you get this I like look freeze up. Yeah, if you get like I could sit here and stare at the wall as long as Turdman's sitting in his seat, I could just <laughs> ramble. And as soon as he gets up, I go. It's funny because I, I'm gonna in editing. I can tell I'm not even looking at anything, and I can oh, yeah. tell when I stand up because you you can get this nervous. Like, wait, where are you going? I don't know what to say now. Yeah. So that's roast my bike. Yeah, we suck, and um, yeah. Next time on Roast My Bike. <laughs> we must have some Japanese anime listeners that send us music. Dude, at least it's not Nyan Cat for 10 hours straight, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, well, moving on to the next thing I have here, which I'm sorry I didn't give you notes again. Um, I wanted to yap a little bit about the industry. We got uh, we got about 20 minutes left of the show, if we make this a short show. By our standards, this is going to be a short show. <laughs> But um, I don't know what it is about uh, – I don't know exactly what it is about um, the recent move, the way the, the way the future is going in the automotive and, and in automotive meaning like any, any motorized thing. Um, but there's been a lot of talk recently. I've started listening to a lot of automotive shows because there's not a lot of good motorcycle shows. <laughs> well, we're not helping it. Yeah, I know. But, um, there was a lot of talk about robots and manufacturing recently. And I think that was like something that was on, of course, AI and self-driving they, and everything. Using robots to manufacture for a long time. I know. And that's the thing. They're getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And so people are afraid that they're going to be taking away their jobs. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, but that was a huge thing that was on uh, a podcast I listened to um, talking about the future of manufacturing in America. And if we bring, uh, if we bring stuff back to America, getting it... Um, I don't know, be, becoming more efficient and being able to produce stuff at the price point that we need to, to compete with other markets... Okay. It's going to take robots, and it's going to take a little bit of a helping hand to start. One of the problems we have with competing is that we gave them technology that we developed. Yeah. So we're ultimately competing against ourselves with someone that has cheaper labor. So now what we have to do is we have to push forward more, hope they don't get a lot of technology that we have. Although in this day and age, technology's that kind of technology is pretty easy to transfer and honestly a lot of the countries that are a competition are developing a lot of it now yeah so it definitely makes it challenging but and you know people have been saying since i was a little kid robots are going to take our job robots are going to take our job has it eliminated some people's jobs yeah i mean there's not a human that paints a car at a factory anymore but but there's a human but that paints still them at the body shop. After thousands. You well, there's still thousands of humans yeah. in, on an auto assembly line. Like, yeah. here's the deal. They, in, in the in this podcast that I listened to, which was actually from a very reputable like automotive journalist journal magazine sort of thing, um, their podcast, they were saying stuff like that. You know what? More and more robots 
have the potential to replace people's jobs, but they've said that since the 80s. They're going to do it. They're going to replace it. But now think of how easy it is for a person who guides part of the robots. Stuff uh, specific. This is specific to automotive, but in motorcycle, um, seats on uh, an upholstery, a robot can do certain mechanical movements, but they can't do that fine-tuned stuff that a human can. So in the automotive example they gave with headliners and cars, you need a person that can still feel and be flexible, and robots are very inflexible, and robots are also big. If you ever see an iPhone get put together in China, they have about 12 people sitting in in a line. This person slaps the screen in, hands it across to that person. They put some yeah, screws in. Yeah, because it's there's like flex and mm-hmm. things snapping together that you yeah. need like a human feel yeah. for. And honestly, that's coming. Like, let's be honest. It might be 40 years away, but robots are getting better and, mm-hmm. and more advanced all the time. I've seen, this was over 10 years ago, I, I toured a factory that makes, um, in Southern California, in um, Carlsbad area, they have a company that makes dental implants. But in um, Indiana, they made knees and hips, replacement knees and replacement hips. And they were polishing the knees um, and the hip joints by hand because they said you needed that fluid motion that only a human could do. Mm-hmm. So what they did, they they brought in like basically how they make like video games and they put a bunch of like points on these people and they had them sit there and polish and then they like averaged it out. And then now they have a robot that can move fluid because it's moving in like little tiny straight increments. And uh, the big benefit that they actually had, that it wasn't because the polishers were too expensive, it was because the parts they were polishing would get hot. So the person polishing it had to put it down and let it cool. And that took time and uh, it was less efficient. So now the robot can hold it and keep it at a consistent temperature. Yeah. And so they were saying that, yeah, robots coming on might replace some jobs but they have in the past and those people moved on to different better jobs that robots can't do and there's still a lot of welding done by robots but there's still a lot of finish welding done yeah, by humans. Yeah there's still a lot. I mean I work in a factory that does that too and part of it it's so expensive to set up to get a robot in to do that and then every job that's on there, every different part takes so much time and money and effort to do. You have to really do high volume to make it worth it where Mm -hmm. you can just set two totally different parts in front of a human and they can weld them both up. Right. So it's, and their thing too was that uh, this may be even part of it is that the robots don't take care of themselves. The robots need constant maintenance and monitoring. And while it might take fewer people, you might be replacing 40 people, with yeah. 15 you still got those 15 you can repurpose to other people they were saying that it's actually when you in the past people always think that it's like it's like one of the weird it's like not that your job's going away your job is changing yeah yeah and a lot of it i read a book that was interesting and one of the things it talked about was people that went to school for like computer science and they thought they were gonna like basically answer phone calls and then all of a sudden all those jobs got shipped mostly to india right and they were like out of work and they just happened to pick a bad industry and that industry figured out how to do free long distance right. <laughs> and, and it kind of replaced that part of it. But, you know, I was talking to someone the other day about like one of the, and in this same book, they talked about this job. Um, one job that has not really went away and actually paid surprisingly well, but people don't want to do it because it's dirty is a plumber. Yeah. But like, 
if you know a professional plumber that not necessarily owns their own business, but like kind of is independent and they don't work at like a big conglomerate, they make really, really good money because they do, no pun intended, a shitty job. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't outsource it. You can't get your toilet fixed in China. Like you just can't, there's no way around that. So there are a lot of jobs that, and you can't like, there's not, again, not in our foreseeable future is a robot going to show up, you know, problem solve what is wrong and fix your plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of, that was similar to something that they had mentioned is there's certain things that you can't have done. You can't have, um, there's just certain parts when, when you're when you feel like you're going to be replaced. They found that when robots come into factories, they actually end up hiring more people because it it allows them to do something so much more efficiently that they need more people to do something else. So Makes it sense. changes. It just changes the dynamic of the the workplace, mm-hmm. or it allows the company to grow. Yeah, further and do more stuff, and they need more people to do that. And then when the robots take that over, the people to do more stuff. So it's constantly that the people. I I just listened to a weird like um like it was sort of like Freakonomics or something like that where they were talking about how you perceive what's happening to you and you feel like you're um up against a wall. But really what's happening, your perception is the same thing that other people are perceiving, like on the opposite end. And so it's not necessarily what's happening and what the higher ups are seeing. They don't want to fire a bunch of people to get a robot in there to replace it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And that actually, it's kind of surprising. My company just moved some stuff around and actually moved some stuff to Mexico, but they didn't let any of those people go. And everyone like freaked out when they heard they were going to do it. And they're like, we're not going to get rid of everyone. And they, I don't even think they ended up getting, I mean, they got rid of some people, but not like the, the, polished people was the the department they got they moved they didn't get rid of those people they moved them a lot of them into better jobs and one of the reasons they wanted to outsource it was and don't get me wrong it's a really shitty job but um they couldn't get people that were good at their job that would stay around very long yeah you know and they actually made pretty good money for a job where I don't think anyone in that room spoke English. Like I, I could not, I tried to go over and get stuff done and I had to always go to a lead man or take someone else with me so they could explain. And this is, and I'm not saying like, in this case, I'm not saying like, that's a bad thing. Like, Oh man, new fucking guys, new English. I'm saying that usually those guys that don't know English don't get very well paying jobs and they had them, but they also had to wear like this one piece suit with a hood zipped all the way up to their neck. And then they had to wear a breathing uh, thing and then they had to wear glasses over that. And then, so it's like, dude, you would, you, they probably drank a gallon and a half of water a day (laughs) in the middle of summer, just sweating and trying to see like fine lines, trying to buff out, you know, tooling marks and dings and, and polish these parts for a, a fine chrome finish when you're like sweating in your glasses. Like, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. So they actually made really good money because the environment kind of sucked, but there wasn't a good way around it. Yeah. But all of those guys basically got moved to better jobs. Yeah. And that's actually a really good parallel to Harley, who's been, I, we talked about it on last uh, episode. And, um, one of the listeners, SnapTap Rostin, sent me a link to a really good podcast that talked about Harley and the tariffs in the '80s, and did a really a lot, a really little bit more of a deep dive than I did on last episode. But that kind of parallels um, Harley's move to Thailand. Is that 
the thing is, is that you're not going to, they were saying that they're actually going to be employing probably more people because they're going to need more people to supervise over there. And the local population is getting a job. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Plus now they can export to Europe and not pay the tariffs of the U.S. trade tariff war that we got into they won't have to pay those uh like 25 or 31 whatever the hell percent tariffs because the bikes are going to be coming from thailand and not see, made in america i'm actually a big supporter of tariffs but not how they did them they did a raw goods tariff um i just want to see and i think it should actually go uh, to me a global market with the capitalist mentality and uh, I'm not the like most well-versed and I know everyone's talking shit about capitalism lately, which to me, capitalism can work if people aren't so freaking greedy. But I think one of the huge problems is people are way too greedy and I get you're successful. You worked hard. You deserve it to a point. But if you're doing it at the expense of your workers who are barely getting by, then you don't deserve that. But that's a sidebar. Um, but I think like if everyone had a say a 25% import tariff on goods from another country, what that does is it it either makes you make stuff in your country or if you have like the big one in the media is China, right? So everyone made a big deal about it, but it honestly wouldn't be a big deal if China bought stuff from us, the same that we buy from them. It wouldn't matter. Right. It would equal out. Dude, when you when you make stuff for the entire world like China does. But they don't buy stuff from the entire world. Dude, you don't need to buy stuff from the rest of the world except for the raw goods that you use to make the crap that you're selling to everyone else. Right. And then the sad thing is that in Well, China, and they were the I mean the tariff is on raw steel from them to us. Yeah. They're even making the raw goods. Yeah, it's a nutty thing. And and global trade economy is a whole different... If you want to learn about all that, podcasts are great about that. They they know more than I even forgot. But the thing is, is that, yeah, like it's it's an important part of um, doing business and, and tariffs work in certain ways. But that, then you start like a war-ish thing like we did where we're going to tax your stuff or we're going to tax this raw material. And then the other company, countries like well we're gonna tax your, your tariff you then and they were like oh great now like because here's the, the the thing i listened to and and it's the tim kreitz adventures podcast is the uh and it's on, available on youtube if you want to go check it out maybe i'll stick a link in the show notes he did a really good job talking about how how they work and um one of the things i read in another uh, uh news article was that you know, if we made because Mercedes Benz doesn't pay tariffs to have a factory here, and neither does Toyota, or, or I, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure exactly how that. Well, works. but that's actually how they got around them when they built the factories here. Yeah, because we want their cars, and for us to, to and we sell, want their factories here. Yeah, well, and employs people here. Yeah, but nobody in Europe wants a big old SUV. Europe is all about micro cars, and there are SUVs but, and like. But Ford's vans. one of the biggest brands over there, but not. Not the same cars. The same cars, yeah. You're right, but it, it's cars that they're making over there with that brand. And here's kind of how, in a, in a really simple nutshell, how I look at it. Because also, think of it this way. A lot of your Ford and Chevys are made in Mexico or Canada. A lot of them in Mexico. And people will tell you that Mexico has the best wiring harness facility in the world. But ask yourself, did Mexico 
as a country, did someone in Mexico set that up? Yeah. Did they develop the technology to build the best wiring harnesses in the world? I would have to guess no. My guess would be Mercedes, BMW, Ford, Chevy, or Chrysler. Probably not Chrysler, but maybe one of them set that up. Yeah. Well, Thailand's going to have that soon too. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So yeah, they have this really good facility, but it's, it's someone else worked their ass off for it. But the thing is, so you could buy like, and the Subaru we bought is actually Japanese, but you can go buy a lot of Subarus that are made in the United States. Or you can go buy a lot of Fords or Chevys that are made in Mexico at Toyota trucks too. Same thing. Like, so you're either, you're either helping one guy fund his private jet or you're helping hundreds of families eat for the night. So like, it's just, it's kind of a side, like the guy in his private jet has to eat for the night too. (laughs) (laughs) He just has a much easier time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. And, um, it's an, it's an interesting global trade in general is an interesting thing to me and it's so you we we see like the big uh you know the big headlines and we see the the major cogs but we don't see all the little tiny cogs and every little uh, underlying thing either so it's hard to it's really hard for me to talk about it and mean it when i don't even know half the crap that's happening underneath yeah and it's like it's hard and then we for sure and it goes way deeper than a lot of that stuff too but and i've also noticed and maybe it's the people that i'm around and maybe it's kind of the harley industry not harley itself but just like that whole you know that whole like kind of uh industry of people (laughs) not just like sales and making stuff but the whole like kind of group of people but there's actually been a pretty good push the last few years of people buying stuff made in usa like spending more money on better quality but having less things and it's it's funny it's kind of like a millennial ideal that that they're doing but i mean to me that's really one of the best ways to support your local economy yeah on the local one of the local LA stations has a made in America segment where they go around and talk to different businesses across the country that are made, still made in the USA. Mm -hmm. A lot of them here in California, but yeah, even local news stations are getting into it and doing little pieces on it. And millennials for as much trash as people talk about you, um, yeah, if you if you're buying less, we need less stuff. I think that's how we got into this thing of buying from China is because that we need more stuff when we need to sell more stuff. Well, and, and people so and I mean I'm guilty of it too. I mean I buy most of my tools at Harbor Freight, but to afford it, you got to buy it from China, right? I mean, well, and I you, can't afford Snap On and Maco, and I can't go to Sears anymore and get Craftsman in the USA. So it it almost. I don't, and I've gotten pretty good stuff there and it's a bummer. It's sad, but it's like, and I'm with a lot of tools. Like I have a disorganized toolbox at home and then I have a small toolbox that goes to the racetrack all the time that everyone's in that there's dirt in, there's mud in there. It gets rained on and like 10 people are digging tools out of it. There's only two guys at the track to take a toolbox, me and Scott Jones. Um, actually I take that back. Fonzie takes ones too. So two guys are on my team, but everyone's in and out of that box. Like I'm not going to have a snap on box. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a three drawer, $4,000 toolbox in there. I've got like 200, probably $200 worth of tools. If that, yeah, and I would always take my one and dones to the track because if you, 
you know, if you break it, okay, I'm not racing again for the rest of the night. But if you yeah. take a good tool and it goes missing, like, yeah, you're out. Yeah. So it's a bummer. And, and I, cause I'm a guy that like preaches that, like go buy main USA stuff. And then I do go to Harbor Freight. I well, will admit it. I, I have to say, I mean, until you can afford that good stuff, Harbor Freight, a lot of people go to Harbor Freight. And it, what I've done is in the past, I've gone to Harbor Freight for, Weird stuff, storage bins, clamps. Oh, for sure. Stupid stuff. And then I've learned my lesson of buying stuff that just disintegrated upon. But you like, have to be like, these. I don't buy like their electric stuff, but I've actually heard decent stuff about some of their newer things. I did my sander right now that I make knives with both of them. My final edge one and my main one um, are both Harbor Freight ones. Yeah. And they're not amazing, but they have gotten me by in the time being. Um, I've also had really good luck with their nicer ratchets and a nice ratchet for them is like $17. Yeah. I was going to say they do have their good stuff and you can tell because it costs it does it definitely costs more i mean they've got like the ratchet and socket kit that costs 3.99 that the sizes are all off the ratchet sucks but you know you can spend you can get a set of sockets and a ratchet for like 30 bucks and they're actually pretty decent and again here's here's the side to that like this is how it happened companies like craftsmen have decided to make their shit in china so they go to China. China's like, well, we've never made that. And they're like, oh, here, we'll show you how to do it. We'll bring over the dyes. We'll bring over the forgings or we'll build them here, whatever. We'll teach you how to do it, how we do it as craftsmen with a hundred fucking years experience at making really good tools. We'll teach you how to do it. And then China's like, cool. Okay. Craftsman, here's all your tools. And then at five o'clock when everyone on craftsman shift goes home, fucking Pittsburgh shift comes in and makes all Harbor Freight's tools now. <laughs> like the Chinese don't give a shit. They, they, they have no respect for that. Like look at the plethora of motorcycle helmets that brands have been around for a year. And then a year later, they probably had a lawsuit and they changed their name and they're gone. Yeah. They take helmets like Icon and HJC that are, and even AGV has Chinese helmets now like these chinese made helmets that are good helmets and then they take the mold a year later when when that company you know updates it and says no we're gonna have a new one now that's better we've improved it a little bit and um then they they make a shittier version of it using the same stuff like they've got all the technology now so yeah and it's amazing i just read an article about i'm gonna say six months ago about helmets in particular and how many helmets are actually made in China. And a lot of them, like, I know there's still some, like, Schuberth and Roof, I think, are still made. Uh, this is just me speculating. Um, I think they are still made in Germany. But even, like, some really high-end. heard of either of those brands. Oh, really? Because they're probably because they're made in Germany and they're super expensive. Well, no, I have a, a Swomi. Yeah, Suomi, I'm not even sure where they're made. But. Um, and I have a Shoei. Uh-huh. Some Shoeis are even made in China. Some of them are. Yeah. Um, and I have an Arai. And then I had an AGV, but it was like an off-road moto one, and I just sold it to a friend of mine for like 100 bucks. But that was Chinese. Yeah, I'm sure Scorpion, Nex. Uh, oh, yeah. I wonder about 60, or they probably made there, too. I don't know. They're an Orange Sparks? County company, but they're probably made there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is that a lot of companies... Um, 
I wouldn't say license, but they sort of partner. Well, and you can, so I watched a video not too long ago on the bicycle industry about it's really easy to go to China and basically start a bicycle company with no, with nothing, like, but money, right? I think they said you need about 100K and you can start a bike company, like a, a, a good size one. Because you license everything else or you well, just. So you can go to China and you can go. And in a lot of the frame houses over there that make carbon fiber frames that everyone wants for a bicycle, you can go over there and you can be like, uh, uh, what they'll do is they'll go, okay, well, we have these like five models of road bikes. And you go, oh man, I like model A right here. Like it suits what I want for my company. So they're like, okay, well, if you buy, like you can buy one. Um, and they won't do anything. It was like hand you a raw one. You can buy like 10 and they'll put your stickers on it. You can buy like 50 and they'll paint it how you want it painted. Or you can buy like 500 and they'll actually make a total custom frame for you. So it's just about like numbers and how much you want to spend and invest. But what was interesting was these guys were like, you can't cause there's companies that do it and they're successful and companies that do it that aren't successful. The difference is the successful ones have people over there all the time checking quality, not letting them get by with crap and just staying there like pretty well five days a week, Monday through Friday or whatever, pretty well year round. Like they have a representative from the company that's there and that's how they're successful. You don't just go over and go, yeah, I want to buy 500 frames. Um, I want to paint it like this. I want these stickers on it. Um, I'll see them in six months when they show up. They'll all show up junk. Yeah. So it, oh, some of the welds on some of that Harbor Freight stuff is just, yeah. some of them look like they were done by a blind guy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like some of them are terrible. Some of those welds on carbon fiber are bad too. <laughs> yeah, I know those carbon fiber welders, but um, learn the technique. So, I mean, and I, you know, I've actually heard the excuse before. It's funny because the guy I heard it from, um, the company that he worked for that did it, I've seen a lot of crap go through there too. Um, he, they're like, oh, well, if you spend the money and you tell them we need this kind of quality, like they will send you that kind of quality. What they've since figured out kind of happens is like, if you're like, hey, we want to order 5,000 of these or we'll just say a hundred. We want a hundred of these parts. China's like, okay, it's going to cost this much. And you're like, okay, well send me 10 of them so I can inspect them and make sure they're good. So what they do, and this is kind of 90% made up, but it totally makes sense. So hear me out. Right. It's a hundred percent made up. They make real. Yeah, that too. They make like 90 part or a hundred parts and then they go through and they pick out the 10 best and then they send them to you and then you're like oh man these are good yeah man go ahead and send me the other 90 and they send you 90 that are total shit because you've already bought them you're fucked there's nothing you can do so it's and i've seen that happen like i've i've been in manufacturing facilities where they're like yeah we're gonna get these we're just gonna get this part outsourced to china like it's gonna save us a lot of money it's just this small item it's really it's it's complicated when to make but it's a simple part of what we do it's not gonna affect anything and we get back our test parts and they're like man these are really nice they fit right on they they all work really well and then um 
six months later or a month later, a week later, whatever, when we get the rest of them, they are total shit and they don't fit. Because somebody wasn't there holding their hand. Well, and I, I honestly think that when you said you're going to need 100, they made 120. They picked out, you know, they're going to send you 10 or whatever to quality check. They literally went through all 120. Cherry picked. Picked the 10 best ones. Yeah, and sent them to you. And then when you said, oh, these are good, they sent you the rest that were shit. So... Yeah, and the thing with because you know Harley Davidson uh, to keep talking about Harley has already had um, a manufacturing plant in Brazil, and they have one in Haryana, India, and so these places are places that um, I mean, if you look at the fit and finish on the Royal Enfields recently, they look really nice, and if you look at some of the Indian-made bikes, they're really nice. I know there's been some issues with like quality of bearings and stuff that are made. I've seen, excuse me, I've seen parts catalogs for Kawasaki that come across and there was two different VINs and I had to like take a long time to figure them out. One VIN was made in Japan, one VIN was made in Thailand and literally every single thing from the uh, like bearings and bolts and nuts were different. So you could have like maybe bolts like rusting or not being as, you know, whatever the treatment is on them totally different even on little stuff that's going to end up failing and it's not that the parts weren't good as a whole it's the little parts the bearings the nuts the bolts are locally sourced and and when you even look at honda that's what's the kawasaki but when you look at honda some of their stuff will say um there's a note on some stuff that you need to source from local you know bearings and stuff sourced locally if you're gonna you know and, and here's the thing with bearings bearings are a pretty inexpensive part but on most motorcycles, anywhere on the bike, there's a bearing. If and when it fails, it's pretty either A, catastrophic and dangerous. Or Wheel bearings. Or, or B, just really expensive. Yeah. Same with seals. Yeah, yeah. You know, crank seals. Crank seals on a two-stroke fail, you blow a whole motor. Yeah. Not that there's a <laughs> lot of two-strokes. But, I mean, still, a lot of motor seals, um, you know, those things go. Even think about a fork seal. The seals aren't expensive. Nothing's really going to happen. Everyone will tell you, like, because I heard this last time at the track and I had to make a little diaper. Oh, you're going to get oil and your brakes is not going to stop as well. And then when I was commuting to work last week, I had my other one go and the left one was already leaking on the duck. The fork seals? (laughs) Yeah. And it got oil on the caliper or on the rotor and I noticed the difference. Not very much of a difference though. But I don't want it on the tires. And all I did was uh, I put little diapers on it. And then I like cleaned it, put little diapers on it. And then, um, I rode down the road at like 60 squeeze in the front brake. And when I got back, they're all smoking all the oil out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, cause people are like, Oh, it ruins your pads. And I'm like, dude, I've done a lot with brakes and got a lot of shit on brakes. And even Lindell has told me that stuff too. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll take your, your pads, dump them in used motor oil and let them sit for three weeks and put them back on trusty rusty. And that bitch will still stop like a fucking champ. <laughs> there's like, what you just push a little harder on the lever. Yeah. There's what will scientifically do it. And then what you care, what you can't yeah. compensate for. But my point was like, so fork seals. So you say 50 cents on them. How big of a pain in the ass are fork seals? Yeah. Well, they're even if, on your bike, they're pretty some bikes can be a terrible, terrible like six hour ordeal. Some can be a twenty minute easy twenty uh, minutes, easy. you still gotta jack your bike up. Yeah. Stabilize it. I thought you were gonna say something else. <laughs> 
pull the front wheel off, pull the brake caliper or calipers off. Um, if you have a sport bike, pull the clip-ons. Yeah. Slide everything out. Keep it all lined up. Like there's all kinds of wires and everything all around there with bars and all that. Maybe that's why spamlas aren't working. I just took a pair of dikes and snipped the seal and <laughs> slid it around the fork and slid it down on top of the old seal. You Maybe know, that's why on that not. bike it's probably not too bad. That's what the oh, In, that's inverted what the forks are the bad ones. That's um, what the manual said yeah, to do, right? <laughs> and then you know, it's just it's it's a pain in the butt. Like even if it's twenty minutes to change the seal itself, you have two or three hours in it. Oh yeah, easy. That's why I was so bummed when I crashed Trusty at the beginning of the year because the fork seals. It was the second race on them. It's like no, there were brand new fork seals in those forks. They weren't salvageable, huh? Well, the seals were salvageable, but I mean the forks were tacoed. No, come on. And it wasn't the fifty dollars worth of seals that I cared about. It was the changing fucking fork yeah. seals. Did. Yeah, swapping them over. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to to that point, too, to the manufacturing and the quality and, and, and all that we basically covered just now, um, there are people, and, and actually you mentioned it earlier, people that get technology taken to their country or introduced um, via another country and then they kind of like steal it or reverse engineer it there are companies also like bmw and ducati that swear on other countries like thailand and india and when bmw started when they partnered with tvs for their g310 series uh, they said you know what we basically built a german factory here in india for them to build our gs's out of yeah and um whoops and uh it's a it's a thing like you can you can like you said take all that stuff in mexico might have a really good wiring harness factory and there also there also comes a point somebody took that over to make it that quality somebody else invested that money yeah and you're kind of spreading the wealth to that point and it all comes back to the same company that's why i'm so down with harley going to india especially i'm not india but thailand doesn't it doesn't to me it comes back to the people that are already making too much money at the company it doesn't come back to the people that – and not totally true because if, if Harley makes good profit off making bikes in Taiwan and selling them in Europe, that's going to make the company more stable and they're not going to want to lay off as many people in the States if, if it's hard times in the States type yeah. stuff. Okay. Definitely there's that side that's of the it thing. You'll bring I mean, the, It'll I mean, spread the money back. Yeah. yeah. But, but, triumph but traditionally with um, – with uh capitalist corporate america it's not like your dude up top is going to get a fat fucking bonus check at christmas and uh everyone else is going to be like hey man have a nice two days off yeah did i mention josh heron's doing really good in moto america (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know and and that's not necessarily (laughs) harley specific that's just kind of a general a general thing no man like it from the farm pharmaceutical company to farm equipment like yeah that stuff happens um, another thing I saw to, to piggyback off the robot um, and quality control thing that we, we saw is also another global push. Well, we're seeing AI come on with every goddamn thing. Yeah. But um, sensors and safety is a big issue now, too, where there are uh, thousands, literally thousands of sensors on cars nowadays. And it's, tr- it's slowly trickling over to motorcycling. And... Um, Basically, motorcycles can't handle well. You the more sensors and stuff you add, the more components you add. And I think we've talked about this before, where when you add a sensor and you add all sorts of ECUs and all this and that, you're not a mechanic anymore. You're a technician at that point. 
And so there's a uh, going back to the robot conversation, there's a whole bunch of checks and stuff and, and a whole bunch of things that robots um, can't do. And or, or need to do, we need to be able to automate some of the stuff when you're when we're checking sensors and all that stuff that are getting installed. But also, it's changing motorcycling in general. I always say that I hate bikes with ABS and I hate bikes with Y uh, with not YT, um, ride by wire mm-hmm. because it takes out like the. Um, it takes out the experience of, be, of being a motorcyclist, man. And you can't, you need to learn to work on a carb to know how air fuel mixture works before you jump. You know, I, I just always think that they should always keep like a little 250 starter bike for everybody. So you learn what it's like to ride without ABS, even though it's going to be mandated soon. And so you know how to work on a carb so that you can troubleshoot a problem when you're having a problem. And so that you know what this is, this traction control isn't ripping it wide open in a corner. It's funny because I like totally don't agree with that. Oh, do okay. I mean, I don't like ABS either, but that's personally. Yeah. Um, like I, and you know what? I've never been in a situation where I need it. And I think the little YouTube video is very biased and a very bad test. It's meant to make you believe it's better, not actually show you that it's better. Is there a little YouTube video about ABS? Yes. They have like, uh, like a little oh, yeah, shitty the, Suzuki. Yeah, the outriggers with the, with the outriggers. Yeah. in the water. I think we talked about this. Yeah. Today. They just lock up the brakes and hang on. Well, if you ride and you lock up the brakes, and that's it. You're a fucking idiot, and you probably shouldn't be riding. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't be able to go get ABS. Like I think that, especially because I think that's kind of an American ideal. Like you need to learn how to ride a motorcycle properly, and to a point that's correct. And I think there's a lot of things involved in riding a motorcycle properly. Um, but I also think like if if someone's like man, I don't, I want a better alternative to commute to work every day and they haven't grown up around it and they've not like been a hardcore true motorcyclist. So what they get a, they get a bike with ABS, they pay a mechanic to fix it. I don't know. They're still riding. They're still, maybe they fall in love with it. And maybe, you know, like we've talked about the, the trend is like millennials are actually buying older bikes and fixing them, but maybe it's cause their friend bought a newer bike and then that's what they got into. So I don't know. I'm not totally against that as like first time bikes and being like mandatory. So yeah, I know me, me neither. And this art, this, uh, it was a show I was listening to that changed my mind and it said, you know what? We, you really can't go backwards. How would you like to go back to like a real man doesn't take penicillin when he's sick? You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? It is. And that's kind of funny. That's a good way to look at it. It's kind of that mentality. I remember like buying my FZ09 and everyone's like, oh man, this bike doesn't have a slipper clutch and it doesn't have traction control and it doesn't have this. And then the people were like, the people buying them were like, it costs nine grand out the fucking door. Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. Like, and also at the same time, I think making stuff like ABS mandatory, like I feel like I agree there should be a 250 without that shit that, you know, whether it's that little TW 250 or whatever, there should be those things for the people that don't want all that. They don't want to spend the money. They don't need, you don't need traction control on a TW 250. 
Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that should not be mandatory on there. I, I know. I think it's funny that like a drum gr- break is pretty traction control yeah. in its own. <laughs> right. I think it's funny that the gr- the new Groms and the new Monkey are going to have the IMU, you know, yeah. on the front ABS. Uh, ABS on the front because they don't want you doing stoppies. That's the lawyers doing that shit. Well, and then the thing is, like, with the Grom, people are going to pull that off so they can do stoppies. Yeah. Not yeah, everyone, obviously, but yeah. Or whatever it takes. Well, I mean, that was the first question after we rode the zero that I asked the crazy Carl. Can you I'm turn like, off hey, dude, can you turn this shit off? He's like, oh, yeah, why? And I'm like, because it did a stoppy and then set like right back down. I was like, that wasn't cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're not expecting it too. Well, and that was that was me being a fucking idiot having a good time. It, I did expect it too. Yeah. So. And the the it was interesting hearing their the perspective of the show on this talking about I have always said I don't like that you know you, they even mentioned the stuff that you did about ABS before I get on what I don't like because uh, I'm I think it's super interesting they were talking about the GPS you remember how you were saying on MotoGP bikes they might yeah. have they were saying they weren't sure either but they said I think I've heard this like they heard the same thing and uh, if you translate that to people commuters all over I mean if you're making stuff safer that's the whole thing is that we're trying to make this world really safe and but not only that, there's a lot of dynamics when you're riding a motorcycle. And if you make ABS better so that it doesn't, the person doesn't eat shit, like there's no reason to deprive a person uh, of a not eating shit because they're putting on the brakes in a corner. Well, and, and look at it this way too. So if someone gets a motorcycle and wears a shitty helmet and no jacket, and I'm right they, here, I can hear everything and you're they saying crash about crash. <laughs> going 10 mile an hour because they don't have ABS and they hit some gravel and they crash, right? And they scrape up their arm and they fuck up their cheap helmet and they're like, oh shit, dude, I got messed up at 10 10 mile an hour. hour, And then they go out and they buy a really nice helmet and a really nice jacket and some good riding pants and some good boots and they always wear gloves. Then when that time comes that someone pulls out in front of them and ABS isn't going to fucking save their life, that gear that they wear because of that incident 10 years ago might save their life. Yeah. So... As much as I say, like, no, fuck it, let them get ABS right away. And as much as, like, with the racing, and someone kind of commented on a thread this week that it's like this millennial thing that everyone wins. But as much as, like, sometimes I like that idea, sometimes Darwinism should just fucking take over. Yeah. Like, sometimes, not saying people deserve to die on a motorcycle, but sometimes Dude. things lead to better things. And sometimes it's something. I don't want to use the word tragic because to me that's death on a motorcycle. But sometimes you crashing and scraping up your fucking elbow and getting like pizza rash on the side of yourself wises you up for the future and you still enjoy motorcycles but you go buy better gear and you're more well protected and more aware of your surroundings. And if it would have saved you, then would you be? Or yeah. every squid that has survived usually is not a squid anymore, right? I mean, that's yeah. like the thing. Oh, and every rider, or whether, they're not a motorcyclist anymore. Yeah, One of the exactly. Two. So that's the that's the thing. And, and everybody that has crashed at a motocross track or learning on hot laps at a any sort of track gets better the next time. And you may say because I'm I was with Cleveland Moto, like Cleveland Moto, I I feel is very like into the vintage scene and into the 
a, a bike is this, you know what I'm saying? A bike is this and it doesn't need all this shit. But then when you're too Speaking up. Speaking of them, did I send you that PC 800 this week on no, Let Go? No. I think it was two grand, a white. Emma might want to hear this too. It was beautiful, beautiful condition too. White. I mean, as far as PC 800s are concerned, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was very good condition. White PC 800. Pretty sure it was 2K. They probably bought four of them at Vintage Days this weekend. <laughs> we'll, well, I guess we'll hear a next week. Sorry, show. you said Cleveland Moto, and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. But they, I, to me, they are very, I mean, and it's funny because they sell zeros, but they are very like a bike should be this, and we don't need, I mean, a bike is visceral. God damn it. And it's not all this and that and this and that and, and technology, this and that. I, we're just at this new age. And for me, just like losing, um, getting knocked down a spot at the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge is a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes technology is hard to swallow. <laughs> and I, you don't need it. You don't need it. But once you get it, um, and once it's available, if it makes your life better, you really, I mean, that that was the whole argument that I read or I listened to on the show is that because they were, they were talking about cars and motorcycles and everything. Like you don't really want to go backwards and you don't, it's not really making you like snowflakey, like, oh, I got to protect you by doing this. It's actually making the ride quality better. You know what I'm saying? Like you can still push it. You can still do this and that. You have less, if you can reduce your chances of. Especially on the crash. street. Especially on the street. And I think yeah. the FZ09 was a good example of a bike. It was to me. It was a motorcyclist motorcycle. You weren't getting a slipper clutch. You weren't getting ABS. And like I'm the person when I go to the track, and I don't want to high side my bike, so this isn't like totally true. Like maybe some kind of traction control would be nice, but I also don't want to like you can go out on a new Beamer, new CBR, whatever. They've got so much ABS, so much traction control, so much slipper clutch. You can go into the corner bang down three gears, dump the clutch back out, squeeze all the brake you want, lean the thing in, and then just whap it wide open again coming out of the corner. And nothing will happen. No throttle control. And you can be the fastest dude on the track. I'm 35. Like when I take my duck to the track or my flat track bike to the track, and that's kind of irrelevant, the traction control. Although I'm not saying with modern fuel injection that – Indian and with zero that they couldn't do this too, or um, uh, Alta, that they couldn't figure out a semi traction control where it's like we're going to limit oh, I'm sure the wheel do. slip. I'm sure they do. That might be one of the reasons the Indian is kind of fast. It might be 70 horsepower out of the corner at Sacramento and 90 at the second half of the straightaway too. But um, even when I take my duck like the, to a pavement track, like it's not a super high horsepower bike, but I I go to work on my throttle control and my braking zones and my down, my shifting points. Like I don't want the bike to do those things for me because I'm not 20. I'm not Nikki Hayden or whoever is that age now, Drake. Um, so to me, I want a more pure motorcycle that doesn't do those things for me type. Yeah. If that makes sense. Did I mention Josh Harris doing real good? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it makes sense to me. And also, when you're thinking of legislation and all sorts of other stuff that doesn't even involve the people who just want to get out and ride, there's everybody. There's this whole cloud hovering over us about this is the most dangerous sport, and cars have all this stuff, and cars have all these safety sensors and this and that. Uh, and cars have. They were. I forget the. Uh, I forget the dang. Cars have like 
over 2,000 sensors on them now. Oh, man, you know I bet, saying? yeah. Like, and some of them are going to be talking to motorcycles, and we're going to be having V2V. Yeah. And so, or at least they're going to sense where a bike's at. Mm-hmm. And well, eventually they're going to have like everybody. Will I, have yeah, a eventually they're all going to talk. Yeah. But I think the beginning stages of are they're going to have to sense what's around it. And yeah. in reality, they kind of already do. Yeah. Well, the fl- a lot Ford, of new rear Ford, view or a lot of new mirrors it tells yeah. you when there's something there. Yeah. And Ford specifically has developed earlier this year. We talked about it. Lane split. Uh, technology for their European and American markets, and KTM recently has uh, some sort of lane splitting haptic or something like that. I don't know what huh. they're, but they have like a car detecting. The Subaru I'm in that I drove over here has Eyesight Cruise, so I can set cruise on. This is California, so I'll say eighty, <laughs> but seventy, seventy-five, eighty, whatever. It will cruise at 80 mile an hour, and if there's a car or a semi in front of me doing 60, it will. I can also set my following distance. So a lot of times, especially if I'm going that fast, I like it further out. But it will sense a car even way out of its, say, following distance. It'll sense it. It'll show in the dash there's a car there. It'll continue to gain on the car. As I get within that safe following distance, it will back off the cruise and it will kind of coast down to the speed. If we're gaining on the car faster than it wants, it will hit the brakes. It will literally go to a complete stop because I've used it in traffic, scared out of my mind with my foot like right above the brake. <laughs> to see if it's going to happen. And not, not set on 80 to zero, but like, hey, we're going kind of slow and we just kind of like gradually slow down and the car in front of us stopped and we stopped. What I don't like is it shuts off. And then what I don't like, to me, that feature could always be active because what if I'm not paying attention? It's assuming that when cruise is off, I'm paying more attention. Yeah. And yes, I should be, but that's not the point. The point is I don't want it to like, I want it to kind of know and warn me and it will beep. I've heard it like, like if you start gaining on a car pretty quick, even without cruise, it'll like beep at you. It also only when cruise is on, it has a lane detection and it tells you like, it's funny on the dash, it'll show you like if the stripe goes away, it'll go away because it doesn't know what to read. So it shows you, Hey, I see this line and I see this line. And if like there's a merging lane or something and it goes away, it's like, don't see that line anymore. So don't veer off that way. Cause I don't know what's there. Yeah. And it will, um, it doesn't straighten you up in the lane and steer you. What it does, it's like a a bowling ball with the bumpers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it'll go like, say it veers to the right or say like the lane veers to the left or whatever. So you hit the right side of the lane, it will turn the car back, but it kind of overcorrects because it wants to get you back in the middle, right? So it kind of overcorrects just barely. If and, the road is and curving, you go it'll down, bounce off the left one then? Or? Kind of. Or yeah, if it's yeah. straight, it'll basically go, it'll bounce off the right, it'll go to the left and bounce off. Then it'll go to the right and bounce off. And it just kind of bounces real gradually. <laughs> but it's still... But at least it's not going into the lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now sharp corners and stuff, no, like very gradual, and it's freaky as hell because I want I know it's not self driving, but it's freaky as hell to like have your hands off the bars or off the bars off the wheel and feel it like kind of make corners yeah. and stuff. But eventually, according to BMW, off the bars too. Oh, so, I think so. Yeah. Well, this stuff is all going to trickle down apparently to bikes in the next hundred years, according to BMW. And if you watched Honda's self balancing little well, bike and follow really you, and the Honda motor or the Yamaha Motoroid, this stuff is basically the remember future. back in the day and i think it was beamer they had that like pod motorcycle thing that you're like fully encased in and it had like little side wheels that would come down and catch you at that stops. was the uh paravez panatracer sure 
So <laughs> yeah, that was a some Dutch some Dutch not. company was it? But I mean, if you think about it, in the future, especially for work commuting, are we going to be in a self driving big SUV, or are we going to be yeah. in a? If I mean, if if obviously like with the the Honda that balances itself, and if Beamer says they can do the same thing, wouldn't you be in like a little pod, not much bigger than your body, in a lunchbox with two wheels? Yeah, the late the journalist for the that used to write motorcycles for the L.A. Times. I don't know if she still does. She wrote like she took a test drive in one of those and crashed it right away because <laughs> she said the counter steer in it is not quite wasn't quite like what she she was expecting to be like a car because she was in a car but you have to counter steer like a motorcycle and Weird. then her first turn she fell over and like Weird. the things didn't come out because when you're coming to a stop it's like yeah, you, you got to be so slow before they come out. Yeah, you're putting on the brakes or you push the button and they come down in like a 40th of a second. They use oh, wow. they use BMW like windshield actuators or like window actuators to shoot them out. Huh. But you have to do it or put on the brakes and come to stop and she was just riding and well, it Well, no, over. that if you're turning, you don't want them to go all the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, you don't want them out, right. Yeah, that was uh, interesting, and they actually made those electric after a while. Um, See, I'm picturing like a enclosed gurney, uh, gurney gator. Yeah, there you go. Well, and it's funny because there are a lot of enclosed. <laughs> well, think mean, yeah, like bicycles and time trial or uh, uh, land speed motorcycles, like little recumbent bikes. They get them fully enclosed. But same e- with the land even speed in, stuff. So. In, in China, they make them. For scooters and stuff, just your legs stick out because then it's raining, so you don't get all totally soaked. Yeah, and then you just <laughs> put your feet down. Yeah, that's how the bicycle ones are too. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting concept. And the future, all this stuff um, that we're yapping about. Of course, fifty years ago, they thought we'd all be in flying cars, so they're way behind. Yeah, totally lame. So, hey, that's our show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you would like to become a patron, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing. If you want to check us out on the web, go to creative-writing.com. And I'm trying to update the blog. However, I'm also trying to win this year's um, Motorcycle Podcasters <laughs> Challenge and get all of our patron stuff done and mailed out and celebrate 4th of July with my family and and uh, be a good dad. So it's a little, a little tight this summer. Yep. <laughs> um, so all that stuff will happen, even if it's by the end of the year. And I know every year I say that. So this year I'm, I'm actually working toward it. And Wigs, do you have anything exciting? I think you raced last weekend, right? You got anything coming up this weekend? Last weekend I didn't. Wasn't there a Paris race or something? No, I didn't race. Oh, okay. I didn't even go. Good. I just promoted it. Fuck it. <laughs> I just had Silk Island kind of promote it, and it was the same promoter that did all the, the Veggie Plate Classic stuff. I do have... I will not be here next week. I will be in the state of Michigan. I will be here... I feel like I need to like start filling out vacation slips for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to get it approved through you to be gone. And then and I will uh, in turn do show notes for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will be back the following week. And um, then that week I will be off to X Games Minneapolis. Nice. So we'll hear about it before I go, I guess. And then we'll hear about it when I get back. But uh, it's coming up, so... Should Beulah come over and hang out? She'd probably teach me how to ride better, yeah. That's what she's doing to you. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. 
Um, so yeah, the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge will conclude next week after the show gets recorded and I will be on vacation the week after next. So you'll be gone and I might be gone. We might do a best of or something. I'll be gone uh, Wait. the end of July. So you'll be back for the week before X Games. Yeah, so we'll do I'll be one. gone like the 19th through whatever the end of that week is. like there, Or the 17th through the 20th or something like that. Okay, so we'll figure it out. We'll off, we off might fair. We might not have one with hey you guys. before X Games. This might be the before X Games. So okay. check it out. It well, I mean, you'll. I'll be here next week. Yeah, you'll, you'll still here. bring it up next week. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The so check it out. It should be on Harley's face. It's actually going to be on ABC or something too. Yeah. So oh yeah, the X Games will definitely be on. on well, the but air. last year was like exhibition. This year it's like medalist. Like you yeah. can get on their website and there's my name. A nice NBCSN probably will have it and like NBC Sports and all this. It's stuff. an ESPN. Don't they own X Games though? I but maybe no they idea. also are in with NBC or ABC yeah, or someone. No so. Idea. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be on Harley's Facebook Live again too. Hey, though. neither of us has cable. Watch it. You look. You look for it. <laughs> why don't you? Yeah, why, right. don't you why don't you guys do something for once? <laughs> I'm not looking for it. I'm racing. Yeah, I'll look for it after. Um, so that's coming up, and Harley's 115th anniversary is coming up in August. I want to say we'll probably, end, end of August. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll pump that before it happens. This actual <clears throat> weekend, the wild one is happening up in Oregon, and it's basically the evolution of Dirtquake. Dirtquake was an English race that came over here for a couple of years. Well, the name technically got bought for okay. Dirtquake. So okay. Dirtquake UK still happens, but I'm yeah. guessing the TV company didn't want to let them use it. So. Yeah. So they're starting the Wild One, which is a pretty rad... Uh, I guess it's an homage to the Marlon Brando movie, The Wild One, where they were a bunch of hooligan dirt bike or, you know hooligan guys going out there racing on a dirt bike track so i don't know you go watch the wild one you'll enjoy it but you'll also think it's pretty cheesy but uh july 13th and 14th is happening and it's basically the evolution of dirtquake usa yeah is uh what that's it's a super bitching track yeah it's gonna but, be um, awesome they made it a double header round for rsd and uh harley's not doing it this year and uh, I'm kind of glad I don't have to go do more RSD yeah. stuff. The one Moto Show guys are taking it over. So probably Thor no, that's who GC. that's who did it the whole time. Oh, okay, yeah, Sideburn Gary came over for it and he helped with it, but yeah. Tor is actually the main guy that put it all right. Through. Okay, so they're going to be doing it. Um, also, this weekend, Weed Sports happening, and there's all in LA specifically. There's a bunch of for, uh, third Sunday rides, the vintage. Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club and like Moto Chop Shop or something. There's, there's a bunch. If you go on lamotorcyclist.com, they have a whole awesome um, events calendar there that you can see what's coming up. There's like a Fallen Hero. Judging ride. by every time we've been at Lucky Wheels, there's probably something going on yeah, there. Yeah, there's probably something going on there. <laughs> Even if you just go hang out and buy some coffee from the guys, support Lucky Wheels. And um, next weekend, July 21st. Um, that for, is X Games 21st, 22nd. Okay, so that's going to be the X Games in Milwaukee. If you're in the UK, you can go to Leiden Hill, I believe it's called. If it's Leiden Hill, I will swallow a hamster hole. Um, July 21st, it's going to be the Cafe Racer Cup, kind of, I guess, sponsored by the Bike Shed. And it's going to be real cafe racers. They have to meet four out of five things. You have to have clip-ons, rear sets, a uh, hump seat, uh, bikini fairing 
and one more thing that I can't think of. Um, so it has to match four out of five of those things and not brown seats aren't required. Um, but yeah, it has to have four out of five things to qualify. And they're just looking for old cafe racers that look like 60s bikes where you took off all the factory junk and put on some. Uh, it doesn't have to have a bikini fairing. You know, it could be naked. Oh, a round headlight. That's what it is. I think it's a round headlight, not a square headlight because it has to match that era of headlights. Mm. So, yeah, you bring out your cafe racer, whether it's a 2018 Bonneville Thruxton or a uh, 1959 BSA, you know, Gold Star or anything like that. You can race any displacement, um, anything, as long as it looks like a cafe racer, they're going to be riding it around there. That's not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, anything else, Wigs? I think I'm going to have a fingernail painting contest here. <laughs> I have nothing else. Um, I think that's most. That's all I know. You, you know all the technical ones. I just know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so there's going to be a few more things coming up that we will talk about. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of hooligan racing this weekend. Hey, shut up. We, we know it's the end of the show. Um, there's definitely going to be some more SoCal hooligan stuff coming. Yeah. And, oh, and hot August nights is happening. I wanted to say at industry this year. So they have gone from Paris to industry, Paris to industry and Brady's track days are coming up in August. I know. Uh, and he's doing a killer one. I don't think I can, I don't think I'm going to have a bike ready. Really. Yeah. He's doing I, a streets one day, big willow the next day. Yeah. I want to say it's 14th and 15th of August, but I will get those dates next show before it actually happens. And uh, that's it. Wigs, you got any cool sign-offs? It's, oh, my it. God, it's 10.50. We got to get you out of here. Wigs, shit. you got any cool sign-offs? Nope. Thank you for listening. Turns out J.M. Langland was a female. <laughs> Sorry about that, J.M. Mm-hmm.